open up the app and the music appears But you don't see the hard work, blood, sweat, tears Three minute videos, days spent filming those Airports, sound check, live shows, studios, managers, promoters Labels, graphic design, there's a lifetime behind every rhyme Victory, failure, profit and the cost If we don't pass it on, then the history is lost Want an album review? Then you're paying for ads You want a half-page story? Cost you double for that And the radio's the same, gotta show them the money Cause they shelter and their listeners like bad boy Bubby Ignorance is bliss, but it isn't if you're missing the foundation That's why we had this conversation You wanna know the real deal? Here it is You're tuned in to Beers, Beats and the Beers all right, all right, all right. We're back in effect. This is the Beers, Beats and the Beers podcast live and direct once again from the Shire Studios. Man, we've been missing for the past three weeks. We apologise for that. But fuck, what an episode we've got for you today. I mean, I just had to fucking take a break, to be perfectly honest with you, man. I was feeling burnt out, washed up and fucking all kinds of shit. Just fucking work and family and life getting on top of you and shit. But, you know, man, like, fuck, this shit just keeps calling. It doesn't fucking stop. So we are back here after fucking three weeks off. Uh, it's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you, as the god Rakim once said, man. What was our fucking last episode? Our last episode was Dave Atkins, man. Like, uh, what, and what a fucking legendary dude. What a legendary episode, man. It was an amazing episode. I can't remember offhand all the shit we went into, but the man is uh, fucking an icon of Australian music beyond Brisbane, beyond everything. Fucking music globally. I mean, Jesus Christ, this motherfucker had Lars Ulrich from Metallica rush him in a club and, you know, talk shit like man go back to that episode go back through it because dave that shit was jam-packed man that shit was packed with fucking memories fucking um uh resin dogs pangaea regurgitator um the brisbane music scene from the valley to the globe from you know custard powderfinger everything that went on in music like that shit was so much more than hip-hop um i've got to shout out pond scum clothing they're doing their thing they're out there head to pondscumclothing.com i can't remember everything offhand because once again i don't have trav here with the uh, notes in front of me so you know we'll fucking we'll skim through shit but big shouts to pond scum clothing big shouts to burn crew uh big shouts to the patreon shouts to all our patreon supporters uh we apologize for leaving you your your contributions mean a fucking great deal to us you can head to patreon.com forward slash uh beers beats the biz that's right i was just gonna say fucking get amongst it i can't even remember and uh we're also joined by another dear friend of mine a subscriber so if you're a subscriber of this show and you ever want to come down and just fucking get amongst the podcast and do the damn thing um you're more than fucking welcome man just get at get at us in advance and um yeah we'll get you down here and you can come sit in on you know one of these episodes when we're doing the in-studio guests and all that sort of shit but this week we're joined by a good friend of mine gus fucking in this place to be man come down you're a big fan of the podcast he's always fucking hitting me with some notes or hitting me with some shit you know so once again brother it's good to have you thanks man say something just talk to cunts man <laughs> thanks for having me <laughs> but man listen this week let's let's fucking quit fucking around man because we're joined by a legend joined by once again a fucking great friend of mine a mentor of mine uh 
fuck, at a point in time, the fucking head of the label that I was once a part of, Carcinogenics Records, um, fucking dude that goes way back, a wild style technician, a fucking master, a designer, uh, man, I can't even think, DJ Supreme, DJ Supreme, um, nah, man, a motherfucker that like earned his stripes beyond the fucking DMC battling and all that sort of shit, earned his stripes by radio DJing, by live DJing, by mixing, um, a man on the periphery of so much greatness that happened over the course of time, um, a member of TH at a point in time, TBK, D-I-E. Um, we're going to get into all that shit, man. We're going to get into the graffiti. We're going to get into the music. We're going to get into it all. Big shouts to my man and welcome him to the mic, DJ Decide. Yes. Yo, yo. How what are up, you, Jay? bro? I'm good, mate. Thank you for having me along. Man, thank you for being here. Yeah. What's been happening? Well, you know, it's the usual. <laughs> Just doing We've the had do. this conversation, doing the do. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty much a working man these days, raising my yep. family and, yep. you know, yep. just um, making sure I bring up some some good kids. Yeah, and um, you're doing very much that, bro. And, yeah, and then work, you know, work sort of takes a lot of, mm, mm. Lot of your time these days. So, mm. Well, yeah. before we before we sort of get into the history and we sort of go back and, you know, do all that kind of thing, what do you do for work, dude? Because you're a creative dude. I mean, you're a fucking master <clears> creative. You're a, you yeah. have a meticulous, you know, uh, meticulous eye, a yeah. meticulous approach to everything you do. Right. Tell us so, about your work. I'm a creative director slash set designer. Mm -hmm. So I work in broadcast design, I work in theatre, I work in the event sort of industry. Yep. Uh, I've been doing that for 20 plus years. I'm yeah. not sure how many. Yeah. Um, I essentially started my career at, um, at Channel 7 when I was about 19 in the art department there. I was mentored by the head of the art department in uh, set design for, for television. Mm -hmm. um, and I sort of spent eight years there and since uh, taken a redundancy. Yep. Uh, have spent 16 years at the company that I'm at in Brisbane and essentially, um, yeah, we design sets for all sorts of different things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. essentially it's a lot of problem solving. Um, so like I'll be the project manager and uh, and uh, construction designer for shows like the, the Logies on Channel 9 for yeah. Eurovision on SBS. Um, yeah. You know, I've got news sets for various networks, kids shows, those sorts of things. So, mm, mm. so that's what I do. It's, you know, creatively demanding and it's, um, uh, you know, pretty challenging in a lot of the problem solving that goes on and what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. We've got a workshop of, you know, six carpenters and we've got painters and some other designers under us and, mm. you know, a project team. And, yeah, we uh, essentially have a lot of fun and, yeah, yeah. and make some cool things. And yeah. You know, once we've worked out how to do whatever crazy thing someone's asking us to do, we never get to do it again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah somebody exactly. rings up with something else crazy. So. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I which mean, what keeps it interesting, you know, that's why I've managed to stay in uh, the industry for so long is um, it's super interesting. Yeah, yeah fucking it's no days the same. Yeah, and mm. having known you for so many years, Gavin, and having relied upon you for <laughs> so much over the course of that time, knowing Gavin on a personal level is like you can never reach that dude before seven thirty, eight o'clock at night because you're generally yep. at work until 7 o'clock at night, man. Yeah, and I'm you trying know? not to do that these days, yeah, but yeah. yeah, occasionally that that happens. And, yeah. But, you know, we work in the production industry. Um, mm. As you would have uh, heard, you know, Heater and Josh talking about that, Heater's um, in a different sort of side of it, more the film side, but... Um, with the production industry, the, the deadline doesn't move, right? Yep. The show must go on. So, yep. um, yeah, you essentially, uh, you're just there, you get it done mm. and, and you never miss that deadline. Mm. Uh, and you deal with huge budgets and all kinds yeah, of we, shit, don't you? we deal with some, some big budgets, yeah, yeah. 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 What about some of the shows you've worked on, like in terms of set design and all that kind of thing? Um, 
<clears throat> I've worked on all sorts of stuff, you know. Like yeah. uh, when I started my um, career, it was basically as an art department lackey, mm. and, and I got my foot in the door. I had nothing to show. I've got. I have no formal training, no tertiary training in that regard. I'm just a, a guy who liked to paint a lot, mm. and um, I managed to sort of get a foot in the door up there when uh, the product when they made production in in um, Brisbane here. Uh, through my brother, who was a publicist, you know, so he yep. could he could see I was sort of up to no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, after school, yeah. spending time with a lot of friends, doing you know a lot of a lot of things with spray cans. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he sort of introduced me to the art department up there and said, "You should come and do some work experience. Meet this guy uh, yeah. that runs it. This guy Al, shout out to Big Al." Um, and yeah, so I went and did a few days work experience and was just blown away. I, I mm. thought. You guys get paid to do this, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm in, you know. So I just became a serial pest, and yeah. until they give me a job, you yeah. know, and that's basically what what happened. Yeah. So I went from working in a service station doing night shift, which interfered with my real work at that time of yeah. you know being out on the lines or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. To um and coming home in the morning from that night shift and watching Agro's Cartoon Connection on TV to. Within six months, I'm working on Agro's Cartoon Connection in the studio as a standby props guy. Yeah, and yeah. It was just mind-blowing, you know, and you'd think there's this whole magical world of how, how all that's done, and it was <laughs> like that back then, but at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of people having a good time and, yeah, and you know, pointing cameras at things and yeah. making television. Like, it's, yeah, it was super interesting. So I managed to just keep going, and I've never, you know, needed to do anything else because yeah. I, I just pursued it and yeah yeah so it's still what i do today fucking bam dude bam bam yeah. been about that man and like i said if you ever tried to get in touch with gav he's a fucking busy man and you know through the years of running the label and all that kind of shit dude like it's been an honor to see you at work dude like it legitimately has man from mm. from my own personal standpoint and wanting and getting back into this podcast like after having taken a couple of weeks off i was thinking to myself i'm like man who can we kick this back off with you know i want to you know like to some degree it's you know the familiarity the familiarity between the yeah two of us and whatever but mm. i wanted to kick it off with so like you know with someone i kind of knew and shit but man like when i sat down and just thought about everything you've done over the course of time and started outlining bits and pieces mm. and whatever fuck aren't you've done some shit <laughs> like you have man and when you think about how how demanding a career you've had over the course mm. of the time that i've known you mm. you know like fuck well, it helps when you're, you're, you know, my age. Well, you, you have time to do things. So. Yeah, but you're a high-functioning <laughs> individual and you're incredibly yeah. motivated. And well, any time I, – I, no, I often think even with this podcast, like I've often thought to myself, like I need a fucking gav. I need mm. another gav, you know, mm. like I need someone to sort of – It's a lot of work. Of, yeah, you know, it's a lot of work. Yeah, bro, yeah. fucking a. Any Anything like this is a, a lot of work and unless you've got passion behind it. Yeah. That's the, I mean, that's the key. Yeah. Know? The key is having passion for yeah. the thing. Um, because you'll just keep going and going, That's and, it. and you'll you'll make it right. You'll mm. always do the best that you can with the time that you've got, yep. as long as you're passionate about it. So, mm. uh, it's, it's probably a dogged determination is a skill that I was is ingrained in me from my my grandparents actually. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. if you want to get somewhere, yeah. you can do anything you want to do. You've just got to put your mind to it, and don't take any prisoners along the way. Mm. Just you know, mm. get amongst it. Mm. And, so no one else is going to do it for you. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, you've always day. you've always been that hard line. Yeah. Can't, and years ago, I used to refer to you as my, like my Dame Dash. Like you know, <laughs> that relationship between Jay Z and Dame Dash, it seemed to be like you needed that person behind you to kind of fucking, you know, make things fucking happen. Yeah, and that's what you did do. Yeah, for so many years. That's all we ever wanted to do, man. Was mm. you know, uh, for the greater good of everybody. Let's yeah. all just get it, get in, and yeah. have some fun and, and make the the things that we love making. And it was always super enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, at, yeah. At, you know. Probably at the 
at the cost of other things too, yeah, you know, family time and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I probably could have, you know, um, probably pursued a little harder in my physical, like my career uh, in design, but I, I get what a, you know, it's the best of both worlds in that regard. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Could you take like the things that you sort of learnt in your – well, actually, I suppose let's go further back because you mentioned your fucking servo. We'll get to the sort of career and all that mm. kind of bits and pieces. But you spoke about the servo and that's the, your your gig in that servo for those number of years <laughs> is almost legendary amongst yeah. those that know you, dude. Like, yeah. you know, those, those that would finish their pieces and know that Gav was working at the servo yeah, yeah. and go jack the pies and the hot dogs <laughs> and all that kind of shit, you know. Bro, can yeah. you take us back to – because you grew up in Woodridge. You grew up around the Hype Twins. Yep. You were there when they started the magazine. You grew up in the the infancy of like the THC day. Like, take us back, man. Take us back to Woody and how you grew up and where well, you grew up and that e that era. If all right, in terms of, I know that's such a fucking existential. It is such a, it like, is, how do you answer that? Fucking how do I answer that? I'll give you the snapshot of what 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 is how I even came across mm. this culture, right? Because that's essentially what it's about. Um, it would have been my earliest memory of, of hip-hop culture or graffiti in particular yeah. would have been in about 1984, thereabouts. And it's around grade three now. This, I don't have many memories at all of being a kid, mm. but the ones I do seem to relate to, to hip-hop, to graph yeah, yeah. Or, or the music or whatever. Yeah. So there was this kid at my school who had these a stack of these bubblegum cards you used to get little stickers in bubblegum and they were of New York graffiti. Yeah. yeah. He had this whole pile of them and I was just fascinated by them. My mate at the time was like into Tolkien books and, you know, yep. Transformers and that sort of stuff. Yep. And yeah, sure, I was into those sorts of things. But when I saw these cars, I was like, what is that? Mm. You know, it was like never seen anything like that before. Uh, and then probably in about grade five where I changed schools, I went from Harrisfields in Woodridge to Berenbar in Kingston. And that, that was the pinnacle turning point because when I got to that school, I'm like 10 years old, mm. there's kids that are breakdancing, yeah. right? And they've got like at lunchtime, the big piece of cardboard comes out and it's covered in bubble letter pieces. Mm. And I'm like, what is, what is this? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. what is this? And, and it's around that time as well. I would have seen movies like, I don't know, Breakdance was out or Body Rock, like some crappy thing with Lorenzo Lamas. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so a few of those sort of movies and things. So I see, you're seeing these things uh, around and, and yeah, it, it was sort of like, what is this? You know, mm. it's kind of, it's futuristic. Mm. Uh, mm. you're in the eighties and you're seeing these dudes twisting their bodies like that and this, this pop and electro 808 sounding music. And it's like, yeah. what is this? You know, yeah. and I'd grown up, grown up in a household where my older brother is 10 years old. He's a rock dog, you know, yeah. like ACDC and Led Zeppelin and all that sort of shit. And it just did not grab me that sort of music. It, yeah. it really didn't, you know, hit me the way that the, that sound of the, of the hip hop music did. Um, so yeah, I was really bugged out and I started sort of break dancing and you know, I was pretty crap at that. I could do a backspin, couldn't do any other sort of moves <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I realized I was shit at that, but yeah, it was really the graffiti uh, and the music and, and in particular scratching um, that, that I just fell in love with, you know? So you, you, you gravitate to people that are into those things exactly. as you do when you're that age. This is the age when kids are trying to find an identity of some sort, you know, some kids start getting into sort of skating, which is even really not a big, big thing at that point. Yep. Little surfy kids, little rock kids. So yeah, you kind of, you know, gravitate into those sort of circles and, and it just, that's when I, I met uh, Ken Oath. Yeah. Uh, he was at my school then too, and he was in a year above me, but I think the same age or something weird going on there. Mm. Um, 
so yeah, Matt Heeman, and he loved that shit too. And um, he was doing pieces on the chalkboard in the classroom and the lunch break kind of yeah. thing. And so yeah, it was it was kind of bizarre. So that that kind of led to um, starting to find like graffiti around the neighbourhood. Um, I played soccer. My dad would drive me to, to soccer matches at Salisbury or whatever, you know, up and down the the, the south side. And I'd start to see things. Um, I think there was a school that we used to play soccer at that was right near Salisbury Station and there's the old um, uh, Snow's Office Supplies yeah, of building there. And, uh, yeah. So there's a couple of pieces on that. Um, there were some pieces by, by Tez and Jaffa and, and even Hams uh, back then, but not that I knew what they were. Mm. But uh, obviously, no since. Yeah. Um, and Jaffa so, yeah. was Jigsaw Jeff. Jaffa was Jigsaw Jeff, yes, yeah. yeah. So he, he had this <coughs> bias piece out in Altandy in a school as well. And mm. there's also some in Shaler Park and I've never found who those writers were. Mm. Uh, I've even talked to Jeff about this, but there was some really good-looking graph in this these shops in Shaler Park. Um, in, it, it would be 83, 84. Jesus, and yeah. I don't know. Don't know who did it. Wow. It kind of looked like Jeff's stuff and uh, that other guy, Lev. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, never never found out who that was. But who were the writers so, in that era? Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. So so the writers of that era, there's you, few you, you probably between. count them on one hand. Yeah. Right? The, you, as far as I know anyway, and you'd have to talk to like Jeff and Catch and yes. those guys would fill you in yeah. on that. But yeah, really there probably was just Tez, which is Jeff's older brother, Jigsaw Jeff, he wrote Jaffa. Mm. Um, Hams was, was writing then as well. Um yeah, uh, catch. Yeah. Um, probably casino. Yeah. Um, nice. A few of those guys, but yeah, yeah about that right. early sort of era, I'm yeah. not exactly sure. Yeah. Um, they're just the names of dudes that I would see, you yeah. know, uh, around at that time. So, yeah, kind of. <clears throat> it was really um, weird because you're, you're you're piecing it all together yourself. There is no global phenomenon of hip hop. There is no. There's no point of reference. There's, there's really no like, no point of reference at no. whatsoever. You know, no. it's just like this stuff around your neighbourhood, mm. and for some some reason, it kind of connected. And then you start seeing a couple of movies like they, they come out like um, Beat Street. Mm -hmm. now, obviously, Beat Street really did well at, at telling the whole you know, four elements of hip-hop story yeah. within that. But there are other things as well, like um, that other movies that have kind of had elements of it in there that anything you'd see. Like, yeah. and I've got these folders here today that of just anything in a magazine, you'd tear it out. Oh, you'd keep it because it was just, you're trying to put this story together of, what the hell is this subculture? What yeah. is going on, and why are you you're so attracted to it? Yeah, you know? and can I just I'd once again just quickly interrupt? Yeah. Gav's brought down some folders of not just his own, like just like you know his own sort of <clears throat> his own well flicks of his own graffiti and stuff, but an actual folder of like fucking articles going back to Christ, what eighty three, eighty four? Yeah, like some. I think probably 85 and then okay. there's that Countdown magazine from, from 86. And yeah. so that's another piece, right? Like that Countdown um, mag, my older brother had that and I was flicking through it in his room. So it's like August 86 edition. And in there is this story on Australian graffiti and it's got um, Savage and Blaze and um, Charlene Spice yeah. and a bunch of other people in it. And this was like, okay, what the hell is going on? This is crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, I just can't get enough of this. Yeah. Um, so we've got no knowledge of subway art. You've got no knowledge of, of where this culture comes from. No. You, you've got a bit of insight to it on seeing American movies on, on television, mm. you know, but I hadn't seen Beat Street yet. I don't think I saw Beat Street till 88 or something yeah, like yeah. that, you know. So, 
Yeah, so basically you're just sort of, yeah, piecing these things together and you just know that you're infatuated with it and you're just continually, pardon me, there's that beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on beers, beats in the biz. Yeah, that's it, dude. Um, <laughs> burps, beats in the biz. <laughs> burps, beats in the biz. <laughs> yeah, so um, really then I probably met a couple of other kids around the neighbourhood at that time, one of which is uh, Reels. Yeah. So yeah. he used to live around the corner from me and we, we kind of grew up together in the – the graph scene, uh, and this is before uh, the hypeys moved to the hood or any of that sort of stuff, you know. Um, the hype twins. The hype twins, yeah. And you can go back to, um, for those listening, you can go back to a third or fourth episode mm. where we had Reels, Disney and Odzie yeah. on. Yeah, talking you know? about this sort of stuff And too. they're all of, you know, mm. well, I suppose Odzie's slightly older, but fucking, yeah, yeah, is, you know, yeah. you came up, I think Jace even talks about sort of coming up with you and stuff yeah. like that, like you guys went to the yards together as little kids. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Know? So I'd say we're probably second generation writers yep. Uh, yep. in this this city anyway yeah um so yeah i was just talking about those pieces that you'd see i remember seeing this one piece as well when the gateway motorway was was new and it was just built and there was a zone piece on there and i thought okay it's like ozone from from breakdance you yeah. know it was just, just this piece that was there it looked great i love it okay funny story is like 12 years or more later i find out cruel painted that piece really when he was really young Fucking you know um so yeah it's just bizarre things you know so yeah we're seeing all this stuff around Kirby, around al tandy yeah. i find out that it's you know hams and and his crew and jeff and his crew that are kind of painting these things and we don't know them at all no. um and I, I think realsy and uh eric ken oath were um they're on a train once and and they're sort of peering out the window looking at looking at what's on the lines and yeah. i think that's how they met hams and yeah and so this would be end of the 80s like 88 or something 89 yeah. maybe yeah. 89 uh so we got his phone number you know so that's how we kind of first met hams we were kids you know we we're yeah. 14 yeah you know, 13 14 um but yeah it was sort of mind-blowing at that time Fuck. to to just see all this stuff and what's going on and yeah, so when I met Realsy, we, um, yeah, like I said, we, he seemed to be he, uh, this amazing writer. Yeah. Turns out he had a copy of Subway out that he didn't show me for a while. <laughs> so he had all his burners. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, he had a little extra insight than, yeah. than some, you know. Yeah. But yeah, eventually then we once we sort of saw Subway art, you read that front to back, front to back, front to back, and you start to really get an understanding of, of what what the culture is, in yeah. particular with graffiti. When did know? Subway art hit? When did that hit here? Uh, I think it's... Late 80s? Well, I don't know when it hit here, mid-80s. Mid like, mid I think it's 80. Oh, I know Subway Art's what, 86? 82. Is it that? F oh, 80. because Spray Can Art's spray, 86 Spray Can Art's 86 or 87. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 87, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's 82. Yeah, Cunts must have been like getting that. it here by the mid-80s. Yeah, suppose. I didn't bring it. Uh, actually, yeah. I should have I thought of grabbing it. but I, yeah, I Have you still that. got the original, your original copy? I've got a second version. It's, it's still the original um, way the book was made, but the very first ones, they had the poorest binding ever. Yeah, they, they just fell apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got the same, exactly the same book, but it was a, a reissue, like a second issue yeah. uh, where they'd fix that binding yeah. problem. Um, Have took, you seen that? Took Sorry. it recently to the Martha Cooper exhibition. Okay, oh, that's what it, that was my um, next question. Did you yeah. went to that? Eh? Yeah, I went I was to in that. Yeah, Melbourne yeah, that so, weekend. yeah, I got to see her, and she's like, "Oh, cool, you've, you've got this one." So yeah, lovely to meet you. I'm not worthy. Yeah. Please sign my book. Thank you. Because you met Charlie O'Hearn as well. I did. Yeah, 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 in New York, and that yeah. that was just um, just a coincidence, really. Like yeah. we, we were there for um, my wife and I's tenth wedding anniversary in '08. And it turns out to be the 25th anniversary of uh, Wildstyle. Yeah. And it was showing at a cinema there and he was there selling, you know, books and doing a signing. So, yeah, yeah it's like, okay, this is bad convenient. Can I have a photo? Yeah. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> well, dude, before we sort of move, start moving through things, man, I wanted to ask you about Woodridge because to me, like, I mean, fuck, I grew up down here, dude, but obviously yeah. I'm, you know, I'm sort of, you know, that half generation below you and mm. whatever. I grew up looking up to what you guys did. Mm. But fucking so much came or so much that would uh, – eventually kind of dominate Brisbane mm. hip-hop culture. And that's not to take anything from all sides of wherever, but mm. I think so much influence – where am I going with this? Essentially, the influence that you would see in so much of what happened in, Bris in hip-hop mm. culture in Brisbane, so much of it came out of Woodridge, man. Mm. And you just said, like, you, <clears throat> Realsy – Flex, yeah. Blex, like all you guys. Yeah. Like what the fuck was going on in Woodridge and like in that era, man? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like it's it's a lower socioeconomic. It's a lower socioeconomic yeah. area. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot to do. Like, yeah. you know, you think about Particularly these game. days, man. Like we don't have no iPhones, you know. Even gaming consoles, like you, you had to be mm. we're talking like Commodore 64 or Atari's oh. and those sorts of things and you had to be reasonably well off in, in yeah. the hood to have one of those machines, you yeah. know, so we don't have nothing like that in, in my house and yeah. none of my mates did either, really. Pardon me. So there's, but you there's, a, a, whole lot, there's a whole lot of nothing to do. Mm. And you had a train line in and out of we that fucking We had a train line that just ran right through yeah. the guts of it all. Yeah, yeah. So it was your, your gateway to, you know, to the city, to other places. Mm. Um but yeah, there's the, a lot of kids just trying to occupy themselves, mm. you know. Mm. So there's mm. nothing to do and all all day and all night to do it. So that yeah. you know, nine times out of ten leads to no good yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. in low yeah. income areas, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's plenty of like, I guess in particularly in this sort of uh, end of the eighties, bordering on ninety kind of era. That's you know high school. Mm. Um, Hip hop is starting to really sort of explode yeah. globally. So yeah. we've got uh, NWA and Public Enemy and Ice T and you know gangster kind of rap music coming out and um, the Run DMC are huge by this point. <laughs> so it's really permeating through, um, and that's coming that's coming like across strong in the in the neighbourhood. You know, mm. through a lot of rock kids, there's mm. now a lot of hip hop kids, mm. uh, and of all races. You know, like they yeah. just didn't matter. Um, yeah, because but, there's like I mean, Woodridge for like those outside of Brisbane that don't mm. know, there was like indigenous, just a lot of uh, huge indigenous mm. Australian community down in Woodridge, yeah. particularly in that era. Lots probably of not so much now. Too. Yeah, exactly, Lots of man. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it was a, just one big melting pot, and um, <laughs> yeah. So with hip hop culture, kind of you know. In starting to really ingrain itself in that regard, uh, R&B as well. The, yeah. the whole New Jack Swing the thing New Jack is really Swing starting to go to, too, and that's that's what all the Polynesians sort of really got onto. Like they, yeah. they love that sort of sound. And yeah. so, as, as far as like traditional hip hop uh, with your elements, like breakdancing is kind of on the out. You mm. know, like that's a that's a fad of the the eighties to, to most people, and um, that's no disrespect to breaking. I absolutely love and adore it. And um, uh, it's so yeah, graffiti. It's one thing that you can do with needing fuck all. Yes. You, like you don't need anything to be a graph writer, right? Yep. You need you need your mind and your artistic vision mm. and you need a pen and pad mm. to sketch yourself something out. Mm. It's not like hip-hop, like making music, and it's probably why I never became a DJ earlier, mm. is because I can't afford any turntables and I don't even know a shop that I could steal them from right. kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas graffiti, it's much more accessible yeah. when you're you're you know young youth like that. Um, yeah. So around that time, there's a lot of, like every kid is a, a bomber, like everyone's got a tag. 
Fucking A-Dub. You know what I mean? Everyone's got a tag and there's a lot of tagging going yeah. on. And, yeah. And, you know, everyone, I always, people who, who say that they just, oh, I really like the art side of graffiti, but I just can't stand the tags. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but one's the evolution of the other. Yeah, yeah, so 100%. One does, yeah, they, can't, they coexist and they have yeah. to coexist. And it's if, just how it is. And if you're a writer or as a writer, you can appreciate a mm. dope tag or a yeah. dope throwy or yeah. dope bombing That's right. as, much, yeah. as, you as much as you appreciate that burner. burner. That fucking, yeah. yeah, exactly. So so I guess there's a, there's groups and groups of kids that are all hanging out and probably within each sort of, you know, pocket of kids, there might be one writer, but they're all bombers, mm. you know, mm. and uh, if one. Mm. And, and it, all that kid's a, a, a mad tape fiend, yes. you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, I look at guys like, like Rumor, right? Rest in peace, Rumor, right? Yeah. This dude, when I get to Woody High, grade eight, he was in a year above me, and I walk in there, and I'm a hip-hop loving kid amongst essentially a, a rock and roll yeah. world. Yeah. And I look 100%. around that school, I think, oh, my God, I've gone from being, you know, king shit in primary school to you are the lowest of the yeah, low. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> and I look around the school, and I just distinctly remember this. I see this freckly white guy yeah. with this frizzy red kind of afro and he's got a baseball cap on and he's got his school uniform on and clear as a bell I can see beaming out from under that run DMC raising hell shirt Fuck. underneath his school Fuck. shirt. And then I'm like, I need to talk to that <laughs> yeah, dude. dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. You knew. <laughs> I knew straight away. Yeah. It's like, okay, I need to talk to that dude. And yeah, it's like, oh, you like it? Probably. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. So, yeah, that's how we sort of, we, you know, connected in that regard. But within then all that community, there's a, there's a few core hip-hop heads who know, like, what, good music is and 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 what's going on and mm. they're they're starting to pick up things like rap pages or word up magazine yeah. and things like that and yeah. really start to get in the know but other than that well there's not not much to do so uh, crime becomes a, a thing that a lot of kids get trapped into 100 percent. um yeah and that's that's to get the things that you are seeing mm. on the television or in the uh, in the movies yeah. uh, that are perpetuating this this fashion, this culture. Yeah, yeah. But, but you can't afford that. Mm. So crime is how kids start to, yeah. you know, get that. It's aspirational. Man. It is, like, you, know, you know. like yeah. And so we're talking about those, you know, those fresh bloody jag jeans or country road jeans and the yep. overalls and the dope kicks and, yep. and all that stuff. It just, it really started to escalate. And particularly, I'm just talking about when what I grew up in. Mm. Um, and, yeah, you, you realise pretty quickly that this is a slippery damn slope mm, mm, um, mm. And, and some some don't you know and a lot of those kids that I grew up with in those days uh, they're in jail you know because mm, mm. that just ended up one thing leads to another kind of thing and mm. um, well as you said earlier mm. like off mic before we're dead unfortunately mm, dead. as hard as, mm. as harsh as that that's is to right. say it's, so many of them. as harsh as it is but that's yeah. a that's a, a reality yeah um, so yeah, it's. But I, I don't know why that out of that time, like circling back to what your question is, I, I, I just think it's, it's just one of those times where it's a pressure cooker of mm. things that are going on, and and like hip hop music and the culture, it, it's that anti-establishment um, attitude. It's it's like the the revolution that jazz was, and, and rock in itself, and punk in itself, and hip hop was that next thing, and that kids could go. You know what? Fuck the world, and I can I can attach myself to this because that's how that feels, and mm. it makes me feel like I belong to something. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and like graffiti, I was saying, you don't need bugger all to do that. That's it, right? You don't need bugger all to yeah. do that, and 
So it gives you something to do. Some it's self-expression, some balls. creativity. <clears throat> you're really not doing anything that bad. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah, you're, true. You're, true. At the end of the day, you're changing yeah. the colour of a surface. Need a beer? You're, Anyone need a beer? Sorry. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the crime things aside, and, that, and that's that's what I you know struggled with is I just don't want to get caught in that, and so I really focused on the art uh, over any of that other rubbish that was going on. Yeah. Um, so and the reason, like the reason I ask, is because like me, Gus, you know, our you know our guest down here today, beside yourself, Gab, like we grew up down here. Me and Gus went to the same primary school, we went to the same high school too, briefly before we all got the ass. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, me and him both share the what is it, the enthusiasm and the memories of what mm. it was to grow up in these suburbs. Mm. So we grew up in Browns Plains and for those outside of Queensland, yeah. outside of Brisbane, whatever, listening or younger generations, like the geographics of Brisbane, Browns Plains and Woodridge and Marsden and Kingston, they're all neighbouring suburbs in yeah. Logan City, yeah. Yeah. you know. So, I mean, Browns Plains might have been, it was, fuck, you wouldn't call it affluent, but it was slightly, it was upper class Woodridge maybe back in those days yeah. to some extent. Yeah, you were lucky if you lived in Browns Plains. Yeah, dude, yeah. to some degree, to some extent. Mm. You know, mm. a lot of the Brownsy kids were going you know, going to private schools in yeah. Sunnybank or yeah. something like that, you know, or That's right. Mount Gravatt or whatever, you know. Yeah. But, you know, like we share that sort of, that thing. Like we were talking, <laughs> you know, me and you, Gus, we were talking about like going down to fucking Coco's in Woodridge and mm. shit. And that's where you got a hype magazine yeah. back then, back in the 90s yeah, right. and stuff. Wow. What's that? It was the only place. You're one of the only yeah. places, man. Yeah. You know, one of the only places, unless you could get into town, you yeah. know, which you couldn't, you know, like. Uh, there's no trains. No, there's like, no, you, no, no. you got to no. get all the way into Woodridge That's or Kingston. you got to get to Woodridge yeah. or Kingston to get a train. Long way yeah. when you're a kid. And when, I, when we were kids, man, it was fucking Park Ridge Transit. There was no mm. Brisbane Council buses out here. There was yeah. fucking, this is like maybe Grand Plaza just being yeah. built and shit. Yeah. You know, like, fuck. Mm. And lining up for those, like, Clarks mm. and Park Ridge Transits, mm. man, you'd be waiting, sometimes you'd be waiting an hour and 15 minutes just for a fucking bus yeah if it uh, showed up exactly yeah you know? so it's interesting like the browns plains uh thing it's there was some core friends of ours to this day that uh that were there and part of all of this in the very beginning yeah. and that's you know like I, I brought that little article along here showing the old yep. cie crew yes. shout out to them yeah yeah which uh you know foundation members of, of uh, dna which became thc yeah and um, yeah so yeah that that that's probably where the the writing side of it really took off was when the, the, the handful of Woodridge guys that were actually writers, not just bombers and dudes who were into um, thuggery, yep. um, connected with those Browns Plains cats mm. and were like, man, okay, this is cool. We all see what's going on here. And we'd all seen uh, what was happening out Ipswich Way. There's a few crews out there, what was happening, you know, up our own line with, with hams and beyond in Caribbean, Altandy and all that sort of stuff and catch yep. and those dudes. And we all knew about the Hall of Fame. We'd all been to the Hall of Fame and seen those just amazingly mind-blowing pieces down there that, you Dude. know, like Bank and Peril and Mr. Ben and Malice and the Diane piece by hams and the two Monikers, Monica mm. Part 1, Part mm. 2. And Can't used you to go, go there and see those you things. Are you are know? flying through some shit that you need to kind of explain. The Hall of Fame at <laughs> Park Road. Oh god. Park yeah. Road station, which is it's no oh fuck it's dude. No I, longer. It's well, yeah, long no. gone, but yeah, it was it was um, It was probably still standing until about oh two, oh three, something like that. I, I don't can't know. remember when they filled it in. No, oh. no, long well, before. No, nah, but I used no, nah, because I used to be on the fucking train. Oh, uh, you're talking about that wall up the top. Well the wall at the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Yeah. So the, the Hall of Fame was actually a dugout. Oh um, sorry, the bunker. The yeah, bomb the bomb shelter. Yeah. That's the bomb shelter, yeah. There's the Hall of Fame was um it's kind of like a loop line that um, passed from Dutton Park out to Veranda mm. bes beside the PA. That's right. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and another one coming from um, 
Dutton Park or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it was two little bridges down there and um, I've got, I think I've got some photos on my phone. You, you will have seen them and I'm sure Jeff talked about all this stuff as well. But oh, it doesn't matter. It was man. just where the the pieces were that were the most inspirational pieces in Brisbane that I'd ever yeah. seen. And we've got seen to be talking. Magazines, yeah, like, got to yeah. be talking 88, 87, you know, yeah. that kind of era. Um, those pieces down there and that, that place was just the be all and end all for us. It's where yeah. you went to see who was a king yeah. painting what amazing stuff. Yeah. You know, and they were Hams, they were Ben, yeah. rest in peace, Mr. Ben. Mr. Ben, um, ben Malice, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and dudes like Peril had visited from Melbourne, yep. Paris. Uh, they yep. were sort of claim to fame, I think they were back then. And, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, so it was an amazing place. Here's some of those. Paris and Peril painted the Brisbane Hall of Fame, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, yeah. Um, when I first went there, there was a Peril piece with this little spray can character dude. And, uh, there was a bank piece down the end, far left end, mm. um, a couple of down from the uh, Diane piece by Hams. And, uh, yeah, that that um, they were amazing. Oh, those pieces, dude. Those Here's pieces, a Malice piece from there. Those pieces still stand the test today. Like that. Fuck. Yeah, it's incredible. Oh, I can't. Um, Jesus. Yeah, Can you so, text me that? Can I yeah, use well, that for Instagram? Yeah. There's a Mr. Ben that's just off the chain. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I've seen it. I yeah. remember seeing so photos that, of it. That Mr. Ben piece, I'm pretty sure, was roller washed over the peril. Uh, then oh, he did that. So no shit. There's, I'm pretty certain, yeah, if memory Fuck. memory doesn't fail me. Look at the fucking styles they did back. Like, yeah. It's just amazing, man. Like, and know, so like, it was so inspirational, you know. Like, you're seeing this stuff, you're just going, man, I so want to be a part of this. But look at, the look at the characters, man. Like, mm. you just, you, like, it's... Yeah, well, they're Vaughn Bogue characters. Straight, like, straight out of straight Church up. Wizard or, yeah. junk, you know, Junk Waffle characters. And yeah. It was so inspirational. Fuck, dude. So, yeah, I can't remember where, how we got back to that. Oh, just the fucking Hall of Fame. Like, that, mm. that sort of thing. But, you know, like, fucking being from where we... Being, being of our age, our age bracket, like mine and Gus's and growing up where we grew up, mm. we'd take trips to Wood... Like, our parents would go down there to buy fucking fruit and veggies and yeah. shit like that because it wasn't the big shops here in Brownsie at the time the markets on Sundays yeah. exactly that's his character on that was a, is that a Caribbean that's a Caribbean that's a Caribbean yeah. character yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Just on that water tower from that fuck yeah I always thought that was fucking Busk for some reason nah a, no a, shit. It's a Ham's character, and I think there was a team piece. Yeah. Another one, which I'm pretty sure Tez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tez did, but yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, fellas. But anyway, um, we used to go down to, um, you know, we'd go down to Woodridge, and like mm. I remember as a kid, like Woodridge was fucking. It was just something else, man. Like you'd see, like fucking the most clapped out, fucked up. You need a beer? Yeah. Like, you know, like it was, you know, I knew it as a young kid that it was just like, you know, this shit's the fucking hood, like more so <laughs> than where I, where I fucking live, you know, like, and, mm. but beyond that, like my early memories of graffiti is those fucking Alamo tags, those just side throwies where the Maccas was and yeah, shit like yeah. that. Oh, the Macca, yeah. the Maccas still is. What are you after, bro? Oh yeah, 100%. Um, and then also, you know, like the Hype Twins, beyond mm. that, like, you know, so you had the Hype Twins, they started yeah, so a, mag a magazine that became worldwide, yeah. came out of fucking Woodridge, man. Yeah, not originally. They moved to Woodridge. Ah, okay. Yeah, so those boys are Canberra, born and bred. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know much of their backstory from Canberra, but yep. um, when they first moved to Brisbane, uh, they they lived in Morningside. Ah, uh, yes. So yeah. that that's how I've heard that, that yeah. they meant Odzie and that's Hams right. and those guys kind of knew them yeah. uh, from back then. So they, they they were there for probably two or three years. I mm. think they moved to Woodridge in '91. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we were still like the mag was out, and um, 
it was it was amazing. Like yeah. just amazing to have a full color graffiti magazine that's coming out of Australia, let it's alone. Weird. Close by, yeah, you know, um, yeah, little like uh, and suburb almost. You, you, know, you, you, you got to give those dudes props like that. Hundred percent. Honestly, it, it was the most incredible thing at the time. That was just so unifying for the culture and, and a way for people to see what was going on. Like we have no internet. There's no, you know, the only way to share things with people is literally pen pal. You know, you're yeah. writing yeah. to someone across the world that you've either met somehow yep. uh, or, or connected through a magazine like, um, you know, so, pen, pals. pen pal kind pen of pages pal in magazines yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and uh, shit like that. Yeah. So, yeah, um, and, and being the first full-colour graffiti magazine in the world. Yeah, like, man. That's, that's an amazing a thing. a poster or a two-page poster in yeah, the centre. it's like, incredible, right? Yeah, so dude. much respect to, to those guys for, yeah. you know, uh, for doing that. It was, well, you it was were there incredible. with them for so many years. Yeah, like, for, for a couple of years, couple you know. Of years. Like, yeah. was, when they moved to Woody, it was probably up to issue... 12. Oh, know, really? Something like that. Oh, yeah. fuck, okay. They were pumping them out like yeah. quarterly or something Yeah. for the first couple of years. So I think they were probably up to issue 11 or 12 before yeah. they moved to Woodridge. Okay. Um, but yeah, where they moved, they moved into a, to a house that was one street over from Rumours. And being Bill and Jamie, they'd painted their cars all the time. So yeah. it's pretty, pretty hard not to find them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're walking around the hood, yeah. there's a hype mobile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonder who lives there. <laughs> Rumor being rumor, mm. he just waltz on up front door, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, are you the hypies? You know, would be kind of what he'd say. And mm. it's, yeah, sure enough, the identifiable dudes being the twins. So that's he struck up a friendship with him straight away, and he introduced you know me and uh, Realsy to him and and all the other crew. So that's all the you know THC boys, and and we all we we all kind of disconnected. You know, mm. of course we're, we're local writers, they're writers, they're big into their thing at the, at the time, and uh, as we all were. So you, in those days when you meet someone who's into what you're into and you could spot someone in the street and if yeah. they're wearing kicks or wearing this particular track pants, you go, yeah. that dude's a rider or he's into hip-hop. It's not like today where everything's all jumbled up, mixed up and, yep. you know, yep. you can't tell. Yeah. It was obvious as shit back, pardon me, back then. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, once, you know, they sort of moved in and we, we already knew Hams and, and Odzie because um, uh, I think Reels and I met Odzie at the Cannon Hill Wall. Okay. Before they'd even moved into um, to Woodridge, and that was just through an invitation from Hams mm. um, to to come out to the the Cannon Hill Wall and paint one day, you know. Fuck. And this would be like 1990 or 89 or something like that. Um, so we went out and we did this really bad piece, and it's highly embarrassing and <laughs> you know, looked like shit compared to yeah. everything else that's there. But that's uh, Odds you rocked up then, and um, that's when we first met him. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, so you just stay connected with these people because they're the only people you know that are into the thing that you're into. That's it. Um, That's it. Yeah, so we and they're still still to this day. They're still they're, to this day. They're, yeah. They're, yeah, they're still that, and they're still yeah. it, and they're still the you know they're the patriarchs yeah. of what we all do. Yeah, you, you know? forge friendships that become friendships for, forever. You know, and um, 100%. regardless of, of things that, that go on and people move and things change, it's always they're always there. You yeah. Know? Um, so yeah, it's a, you know, crazy times, and and that all just exploded. I think in in about ninety one, ninety two is when it really just popped yeah. off because probably largely because of age. Yeah. Like this this second generation of writers are now fifteen and sixteen, and 
mum and dad let you out a lot more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, things are, yeah, those who had trouble with that. Um, those who had trouble with that, <laughs> which you the, didn't really. There's those who really didn't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're just, you're that much more mobile. Yeah. You're that much more switched on to what's going on in the hood. You're that much more switched on on how to get paint. Yeah. You know, when you need paint. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so I get, it really just exploded. Yeah. It really exploded around then. And, and obviously that then permeated through down to the next generation like yourselves. That's where we come there's, in. There's that much more of it out there now. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. And yeah. That, that is, that's exactly where we come in because I can pinpoint that. Like, uh, like I, I mean, we've said it probably a million times on this podcast, but I recall when hip hop or hip hop culture starts sort of getting that mainstream look here, you know, and it's, mm. there's numerous aspects to it. There's the fucking, you know, there's a handful of sitcoms that you start seeing on TV where hip hop yeah. music's getting played in them, like African-American yeah. sitcoms yeah. or whatever in the early nineties. And then yeah. there's, you know, like hip hop starts blowing, like you start, mm hearing those songs beyond Run DMC, you know, yeah, like yeah. my generation was the generation of the fucking House of Pains and the Dells yeah. and the, yeah. you know, the dudes that topped the charts, yeah. like Mr. Dobbelina, Jump yeah. Around, yeah. fucking all this, boom, 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 you know, mm. whatever the fuck. Mm. Man, I, I swear to this day, like if I, I never need to hear Jump Around again by House of Pain. <laughs> I swear if that shit comes on anywhere, I'm like, turn that fucking kind of a song off. I never need to hear that. I never need to hear that song in my life again because that song is fucking rooted on a fucking amazing album. It's in a great mm. album, man, yeah. that first House of Pain. But beyond that anyway mm. but like that's where we sort of come in you know being my generation mm. you guys were there like mm. in the fucking real infancy of mm. things you know creating it mm. it doesn't feel like that at the time no you just you know it. um when we first sort of got subway art and 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 then saw um star wars my my feeling was at that time that God, I wish I was older because I feel like we've missed the boat. Fuck, that's what I felt when I met you. I feel like, I was like missed the boat. I wish I was older. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just wish I was older. I wish I was there yeah. at the, this time when this was happening. To me, that was the, you know, the, the 70s, end of the 70s and early 80s when mm. just Graf was just at its absolute prime as far as I'm concerned. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, guys like Scheme and Dondi and K's 2 and yeah. Dez and dudes like that in Subway Art that are just producing these absolute burners that are just yeah. so damn funky and yeah. exude the essence of that culture that you just love so much. Well, they were. And you feel like you miss it. Yeah. You feel like you've missed yeah. it. And, and so to be sitting here now, you know, having this conversation, never mm. in your wildest dreams did would you have thought that that it would just go the way it's gone. Like or that you were having continually, an impact. Yeah, that you're having an impact yeah. of any sort, let alone continually grow and grow and grow to become this worldwide culture it's not a subculture it's a it's a complete culture it's that popular is culture. infected absolutely everything um, yep. Yep. you know it is there is you see hip-hop in so many commercial uses these days dude can i tell you, know? you a story real briefly mm. on thursday night i had to go do some market research and mm. it was for um like a years ago you know we did that market research mm. shit, like mm. i put mm. my name down like overproof did and all that sort of mm. thing you go in and you're like a guinea pig for yeah. products or whatever it's you know the big companies will pay to um you know, get the chain smoke some unbranded cigarettes. Exactly, drink some <laughs> fucking beer, do whatever. But this one was for Golden Casket, right? So oh, they're yeah. playing us all these fucking Golden Casket. It's the first one I've done in fucking a year at least, man. Like mm. I just got a random call and I'm like, yeah, I, I scratch scratchies fucking every day. I do this shit. Oh man, I lie through my teeth to get that hundred bucks. Two hours, man. They pay you fucking a hundred bucks. Okay. Long story short, right? They bring up an ad and it's the quote unquote hip hop ad. Mm. And I was like, oh yeah, right. Oh fucking. And I'm yeah. sitting there with middle aged mums and a dude sitting next to me was probably fucking like five or six years older than me or whatever. You would be a rock dude, something, whatever. Man, they play this fucking ad and it's, um, you know, it's 
it's like a, it's it's kind of like a sketch out of an ad. So it's before yeah. an ad actually gets made. They mm. show you what the general idea concept yep. of that ad is yep. and your reaction to it. I know you know this shit, yep. but the people listening probably don't. You know, so they play it for a fucking you know, for a research group for, you know, and there's a mm. fucking glass mirror, people sitting on the other side of the glass mirror, whatever. Uh, this ad dude, this quote-unquote hip-hop mm. ad for Golden Casket, if it ever comes to fucking life, I certainly hope not because I left my opinions fucking loud and clear with them and fucking let yep. them know. And I said to him, I'm like, listen, this is everything... This is this is uh, not only ad, just advertising by numbers, this is mm. every horrible stereotype that exists... Yeah. Uh, that exists around hip hop with mm. advertising and like a broader public. A broader public mm. thinks that hip hop is a funky beat and a cunt in a yeah. tracksuit and a fucking this doing yeah. this. And that is exactly what this fucking ad was, yeah. man. It was so formulaic and generic. <clears throat> and they're like, oh, really? Okay. And I'm like, listen, I'm someone that has been about this culture for fucking my entire life. And, mm. I, you know, you go around the group and they ask yeah. me what you do. And I'm like, oh, I'm a podcaster. I used to do music. I do music and blah, 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 and whatever yeah. else. And next thing you know, they're playing me a quote unquote hip hop ad and yeah. I, I told him just like man this is fucking horrible mm. like you know I didn't say fucking but so I'm just at, the, like, at the end of the day like what that's going to do is um, yeah, all you can express to them is that anyone who is knowledgeable about the culture that you think you're tapping into yeah. will be turned off yeah. instantly by that yeah. and will run a, a million miles the other way because it's yeah, a complete um, watering down and, and you know bastardization of all the things that you love about your culture for all those other people in the room who don't know shit about it they will likely perceive it as oh that's hip-hop bro there was fucking six or seven ads right mm. six or seven of these little sketch up fucking mock ads mm. at the end of it they ask for your favorite four of the six said they like the hip-hop these middle-aged women yep like and i was just like oh my fucking <laughs> god crazy. like so, seriously so like, jesus christ i mean there, therein lies you know the the point that i was making like who would have thought yeah uh, who would have thought 30 that? years ago that that um the hip-hop culture which was you know born out of out of just nothingness and desperation yeah. in in uh the the ghettos of america would take over the world on, on, on a cultural standpoint, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like I look at design and uh, like graphic design and design on the whole and it's through everything. You know? yeah, yeah. Ice cream that you buy at a local shop, it's everywhere, yeah, it's yeah. everywhere. You had no idea about that yeah. 30 years ago. You're just, you were just on this new thing because to yeah. us at that time, like to me graffiti was like futuristic. It was mm. this next thing, the, the music was futuristic, you know. Like you hear Herbie Hancock scratching that record and you just yeah. like, what in the hell's going on? Like, yeah, yeah. This is like brand new, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you felt like you were you were late in the piece, but it didn't stop you wanting to do it. So you just kind of set about yeah. doing it, and you never did it. This is the beauty of it: is I never did graffiti for no one but myself. Yeah. Right, because I loved it, and good or bad at it, the the more of it you did, the the better you got. Yeah. You know. Um, but that was the thing. We ne none of us ever did it for anything else other than ourselves, mm. uh, and it was one way to you know like the fame thing. Yeah. That's. That's you can't be famous. No celebrity growing up in in those areas, mm. you know. You don't. You barely get an education. Mm. As, yeah, exactly. As, you know, barely get an education. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it gives you something to uh, a sense of being. Mm. You know. And most sense of, the, of belonging. Most of the kids growing up in that era in those suburbs, we didn't even want a fucking education. I was the same, man. I was no. no different. Your parents wasted yep. their fucking time trying to get you educated. Yep. You know, like there was mm. too much going on out in those fucking out streets. Out, everything yeah. that you saw on the bus going home or the fucking yeah. train or whatever. Mm. Like why would you want it? Whatever you plugged into your Walkman, you mm. know, like mm. some shit like that. 
So interesting times. Fucking interesting <laughs> times, dude. And what I said to these advertising cunts, like the, the the bitch that was running the fucking thing, I was just like, man, I've seen this ad seven times. Like, no shit. Like, I've seen seven different versions of this mm. ad selling tampons, selling fucking magazines, like selling whatever the fuck, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. retarded. But, dude, like, back to hype, man. Like, you, mm. you sort of... You had a pretty heavy role. I mean, you became like the scientist. This is really good friends, and mm. yeah, it was. Um, you yeah. became the hype model. <laughs> you were the man in that magazine. We're in the hype <laughs> team. You know, there's, there's some things that just won't go away. No, it'll never go away. <laughs> <laughs> it's etched in the history yeah. books. One, one little photo shoot. Yeah, we are. We're talking about it now. Um, Your early days modeling, yeah, Gavin. Speak yeah. on them. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, the guys were were um, starting the merchandise sort of mm. side of things and you know wanted to have a page in the mag and me and avoid avsky um and rumor were there and it's yeah. like yeah can you you know we'll take some photos but yeah sure so yeah. um the funny thing i looking back over those magazines is because of how how the mags were made back then there's no digital computers and shit involved it's all you know um graph paper and everything's laid out and glued up on, yeah. on boards page page to page and yeah. and it's all taken to a to an offset printer and it's um the glass plates are made and printing plates are made and bromide cameras and all, all that yeah, sort of photographic yeah. process of yeah. what used to go on um but yeah I issue after issue they just cut out the the previous issues page and and stick it on the new stick page right yeah exactly so, <laughs> Quality Dude, just dropped and dropped and dropped. You go and back to those old white mags, there's tape. Like you can yeah, see the pieces of tape where they've stuck shit down. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's right. That's exactly right. And that's how, how it was made. But yeah, so yeah. it only lasts about four editions before you can't see uh, faces anymore. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, all exactly. blacked out, you know, fifth generation photocopies and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, so. And, and look, just on that note, I want to just, you know, pay respects to those two guys 100%, as well. Because um, neither of them are alive anymore. I'm the oh, only rumor one. And rumor and Avsky. So, yeah. you know, rest some peace to those two boys. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, yeah. uh, things didn't go as, you know, the way they... And they were early crew members uh, of yours? They were, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So Avsky um, and Rumor and so KOC basically started there. That's right. Bill and Jamie uh, started that crew. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the Hype Twins crew. for those that don't uh, know. Yeah, the, the Hype Twins. Mm. Broken Boaster, mm -hmm. Exit and Seas. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so that that was the crew in the beginning was um, Rumor and me and Avsky, Heisty, uh, Broken Seas and um, Mute, oh, yeah. a guy called Mute. Yeah. Uh, and then a couple others, you know, started coming into the crew and it started to expand pretty pretty quickly over throughout 92 and yeah. 93 and I think by about, yeah, by about mid-93 I'd sort of... They kind of died. Yeah, yeah. well, it, I don't know, I just sort of went my own direction. Yeah, yeah. And by like 93, 94, the magazine had become so sporadic that it wasn't... Yeah, there was a lot of things going on that era. Like techno mm. music came out, yep. um, like came out large. Um, mm. So dance parties were became a real big thing yeah. and, and lots of other, you know, stuff that goes with that was going on, you know. So, so that, you know, they're, they're, we're all kind of one massive collective at that point, like THC and KOC and everything all kind of mashed up together and everyone hanging out and... Um, yeah, those sorts of things were starting to happen. And the High Twins of, even had the shop in the valley, Overdose? They did, yeah. Mm -hmm. Opened a shop, um, which, geez, some crazy times happened there. Yeah. It was right next door to yeah. this uh, nightclub called Manhattan's, which had... Oh, it was uh, fucking, yeah, right. Which became the site. Mm. And um, uh, that's, yeah, that's where that first 
dance party called The Globe, I think it was, happened once a week or whatever, and so yeah. everyone started going to that. And That's where, where that demolition was happening recently and it revealed that Dude, throw up a mine up there. I'm gonna, I'm still gonna, there today. Bro, I'm going <laughs> to post the photo, like a photo, uh, a, a throwy that you yeah. did at the overdose shop from like 93, just yeah, got... Yeah, 92, 93 Yeah, some excavation was going on yeah. there. They were knocking down buildings yeah, and, and it revealed that. Revealed mm. your throwy. Yeah, still there. It's very surprising. But, um, yeah, so that, that were crazy times and um, there was, you know, a handful of us that were just dedicated riders and yeah. there was um, kind of some other, th you know, other things going on that yeah, we yeah. weren't really yeah. down with. So yeah. that's sort of how those dudes kind of popped off to the side and within a year TBK pretty much formed yeah. out of that. Yeah. Um, and so it's just really explosive times. Like, yeah. There's just so much going on and so many, so many, so many things, you yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was kind of a reclusive Maneuver, it sort of felt like to me, where yeah. just dudes who were just about burners, yeah, um, kind of you know ended up congregating together mm. and a little bit back in the hood, yeah, yeah kind yeah. of thing. And um, yeah, so by 93, 94, we were just all about the B line, yeah. You know, I think, um, Boar, he, he's he started TBK, he Shout coined out to Biaski. He, yeah, Biaski, yeah. what up, man? Um, he coined that term, the B line, the B line, yeah, yeah. the B line, yeah. um. And, and, and I think still it's to this day the Beeline original, no matter where he resides, absolutely. he's fucking exactly yeah, yeah. that. We, we all that are, way. you know. Like, and I think we got it out of. Um, and we're not just letting anything. Biaski is one of the co-founders of Crush City, alongside absolutely, um, alongside yeah. Bezer and that. Yeah. You know, much shout out to Odzi. Much respect. Yeah. Um, yeah, much respect. That the the Beeline thing, I think we actually got it from. And correct me if I'm wrong, Br, but. Um, the A-Line Vandals uh, over in Europe, there was a magazine called On The Run magazine. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, we kind of got, uh, I, I think the idea the stemmed from there. Yeah. You know, Bean Lee line, was, uh, mouthful. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. We're all Australian. We like to shorten things as sweet as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So I think that's how the, the B-Line thing came about. In that time too, what was, this is what I find most interesting about Graph today, right, is there is so much of it and there are so many tools and there is custom engineered paint you know, it's designed specifically for riders for and riding. the colour palette is just ridiculous how much yeah. colour is available to you, how yeah. many nozzles, you know, like all these. You, you could not, there was no store that you could go to, you know, when yeah. we were learning these things. Like looking at this crappy photo here of my bedroom floor when I'm young and there's, there's touch-ups which are yeah. uh, engine enamel paint, you yeah. know, kill rust, yeah. fiddly bits, yeah. dupla colour, just budget enamels, all these shitty paints, and, mm. and they had terrible nozzles. Mm. It was mm. bloody difficult to paint a clean-looking piece. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. we had tricks where you'd put a bit of paper between the nozzle and exactly. the can to, yeah. it was called holdbacks, you know, yeah. those sorts of things. And yeah. But we learnt this trick from the, the Germans, um, and this is, I only know this stuff because of hanging out with the hypies, and they were connected around the world through writing to all these people and people sending them photos to be in their magazines. So they made heaps of connections. Mm. And, um, yeah, mixing paint mm. became a thing. So it just went bananas with that once we figured out how you could take two cans of spray paint and mix them, mm. you know, it was, I probably shouldn't explain how that's done. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no. like you'd, you'd get the, the um, centre of biro, like, yeah. uh, and create your own nib. Yeah. So you'd put the nick in either end, you'd make a little short stubby piece of that, stick one can in the freezer yep. to lower the pressure and put another can in hot water to increase the pressure. And then you'd basically jam the two cans together, one on top of the other. And you'd have, you'd also pre-empty a bunch of pressure out of the, the can that you're going to put paint that's into. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, suddenly, you know, we're not just limited to 
Tuxum, which had the best colour range pretty much at that time, yeah. um, we, we now can mix paint. So that just opened this whole new world. And it wasn't long before, you know, that wasn't a thing anymore because uh, lots more other paints came out mm. and there's more and more colours available and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I remember doing that all the time. Yeah, just, yeah. I've got taupe lilac. Look at this. No one's got a lilac, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hands off, motherfucker. Yeah. That's my lilac, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. It was, they were all unique too. Yeah. Every, yeah. Each yeah. one, you know. Yeah. Each one you made was unique. You'd never be able to make it a fucking game. No. Either, like, no. Because like, you know, no one's get timing that. it on a stopwatch going, I've put exactly this amount yeah. of paint into that can. Like, yeah. <laughs> no one knew, you know. <laughs> just came up with this shit and yeah. that was that. Dude, but like, you know, so you're getting into TBK, but just prior to that, the THC is, man, and I think I've said this on a prior podcast, I can't remember, but so much so much style that exists in graffiti today I think mm. is rooted it largely in what to, and this is once again no disrespect to any other crew shouts, all the crews that did their thing at that point in time because they influenced you guys, but... What THC did you had wild style masters? You had public masters. You had these funked out acid tripping styles mm. going on. Like, like you know, you yourself, it's been stated. Like you're a wild style king. Mm. The shit you did on train lines. Before you get into it, before you go there, the shit you did on train <laughs> lines in the dead of fucking night, man. I have no idea. And I'm gonna post some photos for people so they can mm. fucking they can reacquaint themselves with exactly what you did. But mm. if you go through what THC did, these cunts coming out of you know. These these young kids coming out of Browns Plains and Woodridge, man, the styles you guys mm. developed between Decide, Disney, Blex, mm. Dio, Spyro, Boar, mm. Fink, Fine, whoever the fuck, all yeah. of those guys. I've, I'm leaving out names, I apologise. But, yeah, like, yeah. seriously, you guys pushed. And I think the only time we've seen that again in graffiti in, in, in Brisbane anyway is DTS, where you've seen those kids with, cra like, those guys that came out with crazy wild styles, crazy publics, crazy fades, crazy... Mm. All that sort of shit, mm. dude. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. how? Like, yeah, I don't know how, man. Like, uh, yeah. I really don't. I guess it's um, um, it comes down to back to that thing of of you just it's this melting pot, this pressure cooker of creativity that's going on, and mm. and people wanting to forge ahead and do their own thing. I mean, obviously, biting is a big thing in hip hop culture. Yeah. You, you can't bite, you know. Yeah, you can't yeah. copy someone's shit. Yeah. Yet, how do you get better? How do you how learn do you, exactly. in the first place? Like, everyone's yeah. a biter at the beginning. Everyone's yeah. a toy at the beginning. Right? Yeah. Let's Case just be honest. Said it like, in fucking st in uh, Subway, didn't in it? Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. Everyone's a biter in the beginning, and you know, I admit too. You know, there's plenty of shit that I bit. Yeah. And what you're doing is you're, you're taking inspiration and influence from that mm. but you, you kind of got to work out how they're doing what they're doing mm. so you can then twist it in your own way mm. you know so uh, I think it just developed so quickly in, in that THC era because there was so many dudes all together and we all were kind of between either in school not in school and living in one another's hip pocket essentially yeah, yeah. and all you've all you've got to do all day is draw yeah and draw 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 to then go out at night and paint and if yeah. you and you don't always have paint so you just draw yeah and so dudes are just continually just pumping through sketches and developing styles and, and making their own unique flavor about mm. it all and mm. yeah and it did <clears throat> pardon me it did the some really crazy stuff did come out of that um particularly like the you know trip and sort of influence guys who maybe you know consuming a few things that they <laughs> might in <laughs> might yeah, inspire might have enhanced, that. enhanced uh, the fucking enhancing process. that a little um <laughs> but yeah like you know in in that sort of era i i definitely don't think i had any particular particular style that was worth, noteworthy in the early THC days and mm. I mean, for me it clicked it clicked at the end of um, 93 mm. when I went to Melbourne mm. so 
you know, we'd been through that crazy sort of 92 period, 93 period. But, yeah, I left and went to Melbourne for three weeks. Yeah. Got, got in a car. I like, finished high school Friday. We're going to Melbourne. I get into a car with Odie, Cruel and Disney. And How old are you? Uh, uh, 17. You fucking... Uh, yeah. 17. <laughs> finished high school. I think yeah. those dudes were all out of school. I, yeah. I'm one of the only ones who finished year 12. Uh, probably. No diss to anyone who did. Yeah, yeah, well yeah. done. Hats yeah. off. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and, and just going to Melbourne. Like for, uh, for me and, and for most of us, Melbourne was the mecca. Yes. It, it's the yeah. New York of Australia, Still right? This Still this day. And the writers that, you know, we're, we're sort of seeing coming out of there and no, no, no disrespect to Sydney either like there's just kings galore in both cities but but Melbourne and Brisbane have always seemed to have this connect yeah um, I, don't, I don't know what it is but mm. it's, it's across everything I've experienced it in every walk of life that's that's within graph within music mm-hmm. and within within my job within yeah. my career like just Melbourneites and Brisbaneites just get along you know yeah. Um, so yeah going to Melbourne and just painting down there and meeting a bunch of dudes down there but actually just being immersed in that for three weeks. When I got back from that, it's just like a light bulb had gone off and my whole style changed, like overnight changed. I just went, I I get it. I know where I'm going with this, you know, and I would just draw and draw and draw and really changed up my style and just got wilder progressively as it went along. And it was just because I was always inspired by those wild styles I'd seen in in Subway Art, Mm. you know. I just wanted to do wild styles Uh, and... For me, it's always also been about the funk. The letters have to have that funky yeah, style that about group, them. They've got yeah. to have that yeah. movement. They've yeah. got to. It's all got to connect and gel. Yeah. You know, you don't yeah. want nothing that looks unco yeah. and out of place. And so you just keep working at it and working at it until you can do it. And you know, by by that sort of mid nineties, mid nineties sort of ninety four, when we're really going bananas on the lines and just, you know painting copious amounts um it's just second nature to you you know i i would say my my personally my style like some people are really good at just um drawing their sketch at home and then going and replicating it some people can just freestyle yeah um i got to a point where if i drew a sketch at home if i didn't paint that within within the next sort of seven days yeah if i'd go and try and paint that I'd, uh, it would have lost the funk because my, my style yeah, has yeah. already moved. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So what I drew on the paper wouldn't execute properly on the wall. Yeah. So I would kind of pretty much just draw the day that I'm going out. If I know mm. I'm going out that night, I'll do my outline that day. Yeah. And then by the end of it, I would pretty much just freestyle. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. what I was finding is um, you do your best thing in the moment that you're doing it. So, yes. so trying to copy it after you've done it once, it wouldn't come out the same. So, yeah. Uh, and then you've got the environment around you, you know. So you, you stand in trackside and it's like a stinking hot summer's night. Yeah. You know, like you've just got all this all this stuff, the ambient noise, the smells, all those things, and you, you're just like, man, this is what I live for, yeah, you know, yeah, right yeah, here yeah. in this moment. Yeah. And it, you just see it. You see the piece in your head and you just mark it up. Yeah. And away you go. Yeah. You know? And so probably some of my best pieces are done like that, not pre-drawn before you go out and paint. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that, that kind of era, that's really like the the pinnacle of that sort of wild style period, I would I would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. suppose it just it, it went in other directions. Like what what is, 
you know, you guys did wild style graffiti. Mm. Like mm. particularly I would put it down to you and Blex. Mm. Yeah, well, see, I, I rate Blex well above me, man. Mm. That dude's a king. Mm. Absolute oh, king. Without fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dio, um, yeah. all of those guys. But like, see, I put Dio in like Dio, 100% wild style, but I put Dio like sort of in terms of what THC that did and whatever, I kind of put Dio with like Diz in terms of fades and yeah. funked out, abstract mm. kind of. Yeah, to me, Dio shit. can do both. Oh, Dio is incredible. You know? Incredible, Just man. effortlessly can yeah. do both. Um, incredible. He can do that tradition. Probably one of the, one of the most mm. underrated graffiti artists yeah. in, in this country. Yeah, yeah, fail. I'd agree. You know, that people yeah. don't even really yeah. maybe not know about, mm. you know, Dio, TBK, mm. you know, going back to THC. And even earlier than that, he was one of the Browns Plains dudes, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that wall you guys did at Kingston, the yeah, Universal Stoner's wall. I did bring a photo. Like, holy that, shit, that big production. Is yeah. it still there? No, long It's gone. gone? Yeah. Fuck, because it was there for years. Yeah, so that's in 2000. And I've got to post this I'd had, had, um, I'll find some better photos and I mm. faded. But mm. yeah, I'd had a few years off, like this, you know, 96 to 2000, 97 to 2000. I'd, again, I explained earlier, I was busy doing other things and I got married in 98. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that comeback in 2000. Um, that wall right there, that was that was like me and Dio going, you know what, we've always wanted to own this wall. Yeah. Um, we got it legal for the first time. What and, a fucking wall. Like. And thought, let's just go all out here. We'll do today's today's style, yeah. you know, like wild style, crazy, crazy shit that we were doing and a little bit of homage at the top there. So that's what that, like the Beeline Kings at the top is like, the Beeline is in the style of the day with yeah. the, the Kings looking like something out of Subway art. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, we've got that scroll up the top left there with the roll call of, of yeah. all the Kings the of the line at that stones. time. <laughs> yeah, that was us at the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, what are we going to be, man? I don't know, let's make up a new crew. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I remember getting a text message. Uh, no, no, I don't even know. I wouldn't have even had a phone back then. But Jaden, a mm. friend of ours at the time, lived around the corner from there down in Birrumbah yep. and he used to go to Kingston Station. And yep. I remember him saying, he goes, these guys are going to come down and see this fucking wall. You've got to come mm. down. And when we eventually got down there and saw it, mm. what, was it a hairdressing salon or something there? Yeah, it was a number of things. Yeah, laundry mats. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it was always constantly changing, oh, the man. shops that were in there. But And then catching the train past it, like just looking at it from the train line, yeah. like going from yeah. Kingston into Woody, like yeah. it was just... Fucking phenomenal, dude. Phenomenal. Yeah, so big production walls were sort of becoming a thing. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, prior to that, it was just – you just rock burners, you know. Yeah. And if you're lucky, you'd stitch a bit of background together between your pieces. But yeah. But, yeah, big production numbers is what sort of started to happen around that end of the 90s, early 2000s. And yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that uh, that trip to Melbourne? Because I think Disney spoke about that trip to Melbourne. Who, like, you guys were a couple. Down? Yeah, that, there was a, a few trips. But that first one was Disney and myself and um, Cruel mm. and Odie. I think they stayed out at um, – we split up when we got there. Me and Diz stayed with some um, friends of Boar's – pardon me, I've got beer burp here – in uh, Preston, okay. and they lived in this mad fire station, like this old fire station. Shit. Right on High Street, like on the main drag. It was sick. I was like, yeah. I can't believe these dudes live in a fire station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's epic, you know, big ceilings, big fireplaces, and it's crazy. It's a share house sort of thing. So, yeah, we just sort of slept on the floor there and yeah. broke as shit, you know. Yeah. Um, How'd you connect with those dudes? Like Through through Ball, because he, he's a, you know, he, he's a... He's a guy from outside of town, like um, yep. grew, born and bred Brisbane, but moved to Melbourne when he was quite young ah, yep. and lived down there for a number of years yep. and then, then came back 
Um, so yeah, he knew people down there and put us in touch with them. That's right. Um, that's how that worked. And oh, that's right, Odie, because, yeah, 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 because in riders and on ball was Kid Combing and Combing yeah, was a, Combing's a Melbourne yeah, train. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and um, <clears throat> who else then? Odie through uh, Hams and Bias and dudes like that had um, uh, other hookups down there. So him and Cruel went and stayed with um, Mad Hat, I think Ronnie. Dude, of mm. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah Go back to runs. the Chrissy and Mad Hat episode. He <coughs> actually talks a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah, so they were yeah. sort of staying out there. So we'd catch up every couple of days, go and do things or whatever. But, yeah, essentially we'd hung out and we'd sort of, you know, try and eat. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> try and eat. <laughs> however, however you could when you're a broke kid. Uh, and paint, you know. Yeah. And, and so that's what we're doing for those few weeks. And it got to a point where I was... Literally, I've got no money yeah. and nothing to eat, and no one, no one shares nothing. Like, everyone's <laughs> broke as shit in yeah. the share house. So yeah. You ain't having a, you know, piece of my pie, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah, I kind of had to uh, phone home and ask for a bus ticket to yeah, send me home. I was gonna say, how the fuck do you get back? Mm, yeah, bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears <clears <throat> I don't know what happened to to uh, to the other boys. Like we all kind of just yeah. Parted ways down there like, and found our own way home yeah. somehow. You know? <laughs> God. It's crazy thing, you know, you're 17 and you go to Melbourne yeah, dude. at that age, like back then. Yeah. Anyway. And no cunt's got a mobile phone. No, no there's no contact with yeah, no. 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 I'd, I'd have to go, go to a pay phone to, yeah. to ring my mum and she'd freak out and go, oh, you're still alive. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, mum, still alive. Can you buy me a bus ticket home? Oh, yes. Yeah. So no, it was, that was crazy. It was. It was um, just so inspiring, man. Yeah. You know, so inspiring. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. Do Do you have any before we move? Because we'll move into the music side of things now. But just before we leave the graffiti, because to me, you are fucking one of the graffiti artists that you know did shit in Brisbane, man. Like regardless of where, you know what you think yourself. Do you have any crazy fucking story? Like, I mean, fuck, you probably got a million of them, but you know, like, we can't talk the oh, boost stories. The but you know, just one of those fucking crazy nights, dude. Like, there's shit. tons of them. Yeah. Um, what, what jumps to the fucking mind first? Oh, God. Um, there's tons of nights running through tunnels when you don't know if you're actually going to get smashed by that train. You finally yep. make it to the to the manhole thing. I remember you telling me um, the story of walking the fucking um, walking the Roma Street Bridge, which is something I know. The, no, road, no, yeah, the train yeah, bridge. There's, there's probably one of the funniest ones because your tags were still on there up until the early two. There was oh, a decide God. tag that was still visible mm. on that Roma Street Bridge oh, as crazy. you go into fucking. One, one I'll um, one I remember is I think it was the night we were, we were painting that Dutton Park wall. Mm. Mm-hmm. That there, yeah. and um, there was more people, more dudes there hanging out than there were painting. Yeah. So they're sort of you know up to no good, looking for mischief. Yeah. And we find a uh, one of those motorized Thomas trains. Yeah. So yeah. like the little yellow thing that the two rail workers would would drive up and down the line with yeah, to do yeah, maintenance, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's a little combustion engine thing. None of us know nothing about engines, but. One of the older guys there, he knew how to drive and he was a bit of a mechanically minded dude. So they've got this thing out onto the tracks and trains never used to run beyond one in the morning, no, you know, so there's never anything around. Um, so I thought, yeah, cool, let's take this thing for a spin. Yeah. Right? So there's eight of us, seven or eight of us. And um, yeah, old mate's like, yeah, dude, hold this thing here. You wind that and I drop this and yeah, it's going. Check that shit out. So. We pour all of us into this two-seater thing and it's got these rails that slide front and back like 
you know, to pick it up and put it on the track. So yeah. two dudes are standing on the front, two dudes standing on the back, another three or four dudes are crammed into this two-seater. And yeah, we just gas this thing. So, all right, we're going home on it. Fuck off! <laughs> so we thought to go home on it, which is home as Fairfield, and like we're in Park Road. Yeah. Well, let's go via Roma Street and down the Ippy Line. Oh, you're joking. Get to Corinda. So you can't make an adventure out of yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll cut across Corinda. You could have gone two stops back. You could have gone two stops back, but that wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, we thought we'd be right, we'd be right. So, yeah, so anyway, so we're cruising up through... Uh, what was it? It was Vulture Street Station yeah. then. I think it's something else now. Yeah. Uh, South, South Bank. Bank yeah. yeah. So we're going through there. It's like, cool, cool, cool. And we're going to get up to South Brisbane Station and it's lit up like a Christmas tree. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is going to be pretty sass. <laughs> 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 what do we do, you know? So uh, we're slowing down a bit and, and the thing's the things already caned in tags. You can barely see out the freaking windscreen. And, you just can't thrash yeah, it. Yeah, it yeah, already. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's people on the station, like workers, you know, like cleaners and they're hosing it down and shit. And I'm like, oh, man, just floor it, man, just floor it. Just go. So we're just like... <laughs> and you know, I just remember the look on these cleaners' faces, like, <laughs> like this thing just flying through the station, <laughs> six people hanging off it, covered in graffiti, and they're just hosing like, looking like, what the hell is going on? We get across the bridge into Roma Street, and we're changing tracks there to go out the Ippy line, and a, and a diesel comes flying up the, like, through Milton. Yeah. We can see it. Nick can see us, and it's like, honk, honk, honk. And we're like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? <laughs> Leg it. <laughs> <laughs> run. <laughs> run. <laughs> so we all legged it, man. Just up around the top there near the barracks and like we're looking down. The diesel train slowly pulls up, you know, and a couple of like Gumbies get out of the train, they sort of stand there scratching their heads looking at this thing, going, How did this get here? What is going on? And you know, they hump it off to the side and then we all just pissed off. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's stacks of things like that used yeah, to go yeah. on, you know, and it's just Good times, good fun. But, yeah, yeah. You know, things that you, you really shouldn't do. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. You don't want your kids doing. <laughs> no, no. My children would never do such no, a thing. No, 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 no. Please do not if you're listening to this. Yeah. In the future. But, I mean, yeah. you know, like one of the things I do admire about you, Gav, is the fact that you got out of there and, you know, you now raise your kids in a, you know, a rather affluent suburb and, you mm. know, you work hard to put your kid to, you I know, do. to give, yeah. provide your kids what you didn't have. Well, that's that's exactly right and that's mm. and that's exactly why. Yeah. You know, like, um, I mean, th I think that's the job of every parent is mm, to mm, do the mm. best that you can for your children. Certainly, certainly. Um, so I have the, you know, fortune mm. of being able to, fortunate, I'm fortunate enough to do that. I don't have a bloody fortune, geez, I wish. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, I'd, I would rather, you know, make personal sacrifices in other areas yep. uh, to provide as best as I can for them. Yeah, yeah. I do not begrudge for one second my upbringing. No. Uh, and where I grew up at all. No. I do not think at all of, of any of that or of any of the, those people yeah, yeah. that I grew up with or anyone who's there now. I just, I, I don't, I if I have an option and if I have a choice, I, I will take that. Yeah, fucking For, for my kids. Fucking You know what I mean? Because in my experience, the, the in these areas, these, you know, it's really, really difficult. Mm. And <clears throat> in my experience, it tends to breed a couple of types of people. And mm. it's, it's, there's those who are just, it's such a fight mm. that you end up, succumbing to the system yeah. and you find it impossible to get out Same. and and then there's uh, you know others who who manage to get up and get out and mm. that's that's no you know diss on any side of that coin it's mm. just there's those who are driven and will get up and and go they want more uh, they want more mm. and Ambition. it's not and yeah and, and they'll do that at, at you know 
whatever it costs to do mm. so. Yeah. To the point that you know they'll fucking starve in yeah, another yeah. another area, or another and you know in another way. But it does, yeah, two types. Mm. You know, because mm. it's, it's such a fight. Fucking yeah, it is such a fight. Hundred percent. Like you know the the police in these areas and mm-hmm. like it's two different worlds, man. Yeah. Like to where I live now, the yep. police are helpful. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. When yeah. I was growing up, yeah. they were not helpful yeah. at all. Yeah. They are there to stuff you in a box. 100%. Every time. Mm, mm. And I can't tell you how many times I was stuffed in that box. That's right. You know? That's right. In that lockup or mm. beat down by them. Like, mm. And for not even having done anything, like mm. profiling is such a thing. Yeah. And it would go on then too. Yeah. You are walking down, like I can tell you, man, walking down the street, and I had dreadlocks back then, mm. walking down that street, and if there's a couple of other kids who might be some rock and roll looking kids with a couple of flannies on, the cops would drive past them and stop and pick up the kid with the dreadlocks. Yeah. Every yeah. time. Yeah. They'd search you down, think you've got weed on you, think you're doing you up to no good. Like yeah. that profiling is some real thing. You know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah, no, I've just worked hard to mm. to do the best that I can to provide for, mm. for my family, you mm. know, at the mm. end of the day. Mm. Um, and, and I would hope that anyone who has children does that because... Yeah, you know, children are the, are the greatest thing. You only know once you, you're a parent and you've had one that, True. Um, you know, Facts. you are, they are a blank canvas when they're born mm-hmm. and it is only adults that mm. create them as good people or fuck them up. Mm. Um, they're, they're a sponge. Mm. So, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's a, a very important job. And I, I do remember you telling me that story, like, you you know, the Dave, Chappelle, the Dave Chappelle's kid, get, get, get the fuck out, you know, <laughs> like that GGG unit, that shit. Yeah. And you telling me about Seth one day, mm. you know, like, you know, Gav's oldest son, I won't put anything out there, but, you know, you were like, fuck kid, I'm going to take you down to where I grew up, yeah. you know, and show yeah. you what the fuck yeah. this shit yeah. is. You coming. think this is bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> get, get, get the fuck yeah. out. That's right. <laughs> Go through here. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But no, it's fucking, it's mm. admirable and it's something like, yeah, dude, it's something that I aspire to too, you know, mm. like it's, yeah, 100%. But as we move through, dude, like the TBK years and all that sort of shit, I mean, mm. TBK fucking, and another amazing crew, man, mm. born out of THC, like DIE, all that kind of thing, like the Decide Alamo Boy era mm. that I mentioned on the Brisbane song because that's something that was big to me, you know, like yeah. the Kirby fucking, the Kirby um, toilet block there, mm. the Decide Alamo Boy on that, the panels and all that sort of shit. I know we'll get out of the graffiti now, but mm. like... Uh, TBK also largely became writers anon at a point. Like before, we, it did, yeah. You know, yeah. all the key components of mm. TBK, some of the key components. But before we get there, where does the music really grab hold? Like the music was always there. It's always like, there. Always there. Um, yeah. Like I was saying earlier on, the the fascination is is the culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the whole thing. It's the whole yeah. box and dice. You know, yeah. the breaking, the graph, rapping, DJing, mm. the whole thing. Like the music, the production. The mm. fashion, all of it. it it's yeah. that's what I was attracted to, um, and I always was just mesmerised by scratching. Yeah, like that, that is just like what the hell? It's such a unique sound. It's yeah. such a, a crazy thing. Um, but being you know young and um, uh, the most I could do was you know buy records. Mm. But uh, it was, turntables were and a mixer were just unattainable. No, nah, fucking no. Always just unattainable. Yeah. You know until I was. Working, mm. you know, well and truly out of school and working, mm. uh, was I ever able to afford that sort of equipment? Me so too. I went and got a bank loan so I could fucking buy mine. Yeah, because I never figured I could save enough money. Yeah. so I went and got a bank loan. Yeah, no, yeah. I was out of home at seventeen, and yeah. you know, um, uh, and you know, the first loan I had to get was for a car so yeah, I could yeah. actually commute to the yeah. job. And you know, I've never not worked. Yeah, um, I've always had some sort of job, always. Mm. And um, so yeah, just. 
Yeah, music was always part of it. Um, like in those early days, through the graph days, like I was collecting records, you know, I probably had, uh, I distinctly remember having a crate that I sold to the hypies when they opened that overdose shop because mm. they needed stock. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I need some other things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, sold, I regrettably sold my, you know, crate of records yeah. to them then. And I, I have, you know, spent the last 25 years since trying to recoup those records that I records sold back. them, you know, because yeah. they, they had, you know, my, my first records in that regard like um when i was a kid my brother made me buy iron maiden's number of the beast ah. and i the tiger yeah survivor yeah uh, two sevens yeah you know, and that was he took me up to woody's music store to to get those records mm -hmm. um and i have one funny story about woody's music store uh, <laughs> the guy from savage garden used to work there exactly and yeah. he dogged me in for rack and paint you're kidding. Yeah. They come from Savage Because I was there at that shop and digging through records with Rumor. Yeah. And I was like, what are you doing today? He's like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. What are you doing? Oh, I think I'm going to go into Kmart, you know, rack some paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool, man. See you later. And he said, so Rumor stayed in the shop, watched me walk into Kmart and then watched old mate from, from the counter just walk over to the door bitch at Kmart and say, that dude is going to steal some paint. <laughs> oh, what a rat. And the next thing, I'm, you know, <laughs> I remember getting subbed out in the store by detective woman who's, you know, like the sussest looking mother. Shopping there, and you're not no shopper. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and her chasing me out the store and legged it. And then, yeah, later that day, rumors like, yeah, that bastard from the counter, man, he <laughs> dogged you in. So, <laughs> Shit. That cocksucker from yeah. Savage Garden. <laughs> that would be in Savage yeah. Garden. <laughs> yeah, so it would, would go on to be the lead singer of Savage Garden. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was a big um, thing when they went back there, hey. Like they yeah, did, it was. They yeah. did a show when they blew yeah. up. They went back yeah. to Woody and fucking All of that. Woody's music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that store's still there, but. That's nah, long. Yeah, long. so no, then um, it would have been probably 89 or something, and um, I got my older brother to take me to Rocking Horse. Mm. I said, okay, thanks for you know, making me buy your music. Yeah. I want to buy my, my music. So he took us to Rocco and this is when it was um, still on Adelaide Street, I think, and it was a tiny little yeah. corridor of a shop. Like It was kind of like the counter and then you could fit, barely two people could kind of squeeze past one another sort of thing. And there was incredible pieces on the back wall and I, I still to this day I'm not sure who did them. I think maybe uh, Ben Osborne probably worked there at that time. Yes, yeah. Um, Anyway, so I got Colours, the soundtrack, and uh, LL Cool J's Bigger and Deffer. Oh, shit. And yeah. Easy Does It. Wow. And I'd yeah. save my money for them, man. Like, I yeah. worked a milk run, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I paid 10 bucks a night, and so I worked for however many bloody months to save up for those records. And yeah. I got them. So, yeah, the music was always a thing. It was just... Um, Graffiti was the focus at that time mm. because turntables were just unattainable. I had a stereo, like I'd saved and saved and saved and saved from working that milk run to buy a stereo that had a record player. Yeah. Um, and yeah, bloody from there, um, Where the fuck is it? all the music was just like shared. What are you after? Oh, my diaries. Um, pages. Oh, pages. Oh, right. Sorry, dude. Um, yeah, all, so we used to just share music, you know. Whatever I'd buy, I'd dub for Reelsy, whatever he'd buy, you know. Like we'd be in the store and say, all right, well, I'm going to get uh, – he's a DJ, I'm the rapper. And he'd go, cool, well, I'll get Boogie Down Productions and then we'll swap. Mm. You know, and we'd dub them up for one another. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, we sort of – when we're hanging out with Odie and that, um, he had the bomb record collection back then. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. I'd just always take over a couple of TDKs and yeah. go and hang out Start at his taking. joint and just go <laughs> bang yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and just tape all of his shit and we'd make these mixtapes and things and occasionally hams would make them up for us as well. And, yeah. You know, so the music was always prevalent, you know, like the fondest memories of some of those 
seminal records today, like all-time classics like Nas's Illmatic or Black Moon's Enter the Stage mm. or, you know, records like that. They're, my memories of those records are sitting in Boar's Cortina, mm. driving to somewhere that we're painting mm. that night, you know what I mean? Like mm. banging those records on the day they've come out and yeah. we've got a bootload of paint yeah. and we're going to, you know, do some shit. Soundtracks. And they were the soundtracks to, to your to your youth, to your growing up, you know, yeah. to, to that era. So moving beyond graffiti, like when I got to once I started a career in design, the energy that would get pent up creatively was being released on a day to day basis. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like from yeah. a from an artistic visual standpoint. Yeah. That's what we're doing. When I draw, like I draw for a living, I problem solve for a living, I create art and yeah. physical design, like physical structures. For a living, so that energy sort of wasn't there to continue painting over and over and over and over and over. Mm. It just and time, mm. you know, sort of to do that. And you're getting older, and mm. it really shouldn't be bumbling around the train lines. And mm. well, you also got to a point where things. you've been caught so many. Well, I only know this because you've told me this. Yeah. Didn't you get caught like six times, and then the next time was lock up. Four. Yeah, four. four. And the next mm. time was lock up. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And the laws changed around that time too, where you yeah. could actually go to jail for. Yeah. For that stuff and yeah, yeah. the difference between day and night time offences were introduced and and at that point I just thought, hang on, no man, this yeah. is, I'm, I'm not getting locked up for no. painting. Like, exactly. This is just ridiculous, you yeah, know. Yeah. I've had my fun with it. What, what more am I really going to get out of this that yeah. I haven't already experienced, you know. Probably lucky to be alive, to be honest, based yeah, on some true. of the things that we, we were doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just a natural progression, you know, mm. where you sort of, you, it's not that you grow out of things, you just, you you change. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, You've just always mastered what you do, dude. I don't know, like your graffiti. You, yeah, I, it, it appears like to me, looking at your graffiti, particularly in the era, and when you factor in exactly what you've said over the course of the interview so far, the utensils you had at your, you know, the the mm. what you had at your um, at your disposal, you know, mm. like the nozzles, the cans, the whatever. Mm. You fucking mastered it, man. Like seriously, mm. what you did with that paint. But that's just relentless fucking... dedication to it. Mm. That's all mm. it is. But you then just, you applied that you to keep DJing, going, going, man. Going. Yeah, well, that's and so I, with that in mind, right? I when I started DJing, I. St set out with, I do not have any expectation on what I want from this other than what I did with graph. Mm. So I'm only doing it for myself, mm. right? I only, because I enjoy it, I'm only doing it for myself. I don't care what other people think. Mm. And I don't expect to really get good at it for between five and 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Because that's how long it took yeah. with graffiti to, to get to a point where you're like, actually, I think I might have done an okay piece. Yeah, and yeah. you know, you're looking at your fuck, I'm 10 years deep. Okay, well, don't yeah. put any expectations on yourself in that regard. Don't do it for that. Because if you do, you, you're in it for the wrong reasons, you mm. know. You, no one's going to be dope overnight. No, no, no. Um, it, it, everything takes work. Yeah. So you just head down, bum up and get into it, mm. you know, start doing it. Mm. Don't let nobody tell you any different. You just do it. Yeah. And so, yeah, DJing was approached the same way. And, you know, I sucked at it for quite a while. Mm. And, and I just sort of had a, a moment of, um, like I did with Graf, like that point of coming back from Melbourne where it was like the penny dropped, you know, a light bulb moment. It, something just clicks and you mm. go, fuck, I get it, you mm. know. Mm. The same thing sort of happened with, with DJing about, I don't know, four years in where I went, okay, my the, the memory, muscle memory things start to connect and click and you go, right, I completely understand this now. It's like your hand-eye coordination, your hand-ear mm. coordination mm. clicks into place and you, yeah. you get it, you know. Yeah. And then you just keep working hard at it. Yeah. You, know, you just keep working hard at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, 
you wrote raps early too. <laughs> so and, before the hand-eye coordination yeah. clicked, you yeah. decide you did put pen but to paper. And that, yeah, well, that was during that formation of, of writers anon, yeah. and I, you know, make lay no claim to that at all, mm. um, because that's sort of where I did veer off and yeah, yeah. take a career path and yeah. um, get with my now wife at that yeah. time. Um, but yeah, the, again, this is all of us, uh, like the TBK guys. Mm. Just wanting to do more, like you. Try one, then. Yeah, wanting to do more. We all loved hip hop. We all wanted, you know, and, and we've had plenty of Australian artists before us. Our yeah. very, you know, very own crew. Yeah. You know, lazy etc. And um, the AKAs and the yep. bloody Parkbench Royals and the Deathwish cast. Were you aware of all that? that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, through all of that, like not obviously the AKA brothers and um, Deathwish cast and Just Us and all those things. I were aware of those records and those sounds that were going on and all of that, but I, I never really wanted to make music like that mm. in those times. Yeah, it was all about graph. Yeah, um, but yeah, DJing then for me it became, <coughs> pardon me, it was more about hanging out with friends yeah, yeah. and and then seeing, you know, Brother Stoney playing on stage uh, in the end of the 90s and having met Bias as well through through Odzi. Yep. Uh, you know, his records were out and those records were out and it was just it was just such an interesting time. Like 98 through 2000, early 2000s was just amazing, an right? amazing time amazing. In, in Australian music, amazing. Australian hip-hop music. Yeah. And, yeah, we just – there's just something so honest – and raw about what was going on then. Yeah, yeah. It had no pretense about it whatsoever. No one gave a shit about doing anything other than they were doing it for themselves because they fucking love it too. Yeah, yeah. So it's that same ethos is just burning inside everyone. You can just see it, you just mm. feel it, you know. Mm. Um, and, and so yeah, that's that's kind of what drove me to to go. Well, shit, man, I, I want to be part of this. Yeah. And I was sure as shit ain't no rapper. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. there's. Way better rappers out there than Did me. Did you ever lay a demo? Like, nah. Nah? Never nah, laid never. anything? No. Nah. No. Nah. Nah. Wrote some terrible rhymes and yeah. realised this is not for me. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah, yeah. What were you thinking when you were watching the writers and on tape come about? Like, you, you, how, what you saw of it, you know? like I was, I was thinking, damn. Yeah. Um, i got to get in there. i got to get in there. Like, yeah. I'm spewing. I should have bloody, you know, stayed a part of it. But, again, you can't have regrets. No, 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 no. So I was sort of looking at it, well, like, okay... The boys have gone and done this, and it's fucking amazing. I'm so proud for them, and so happy for them, and and it's incredible. Like you know, you're listening to it. It's like, oh man, this is off the chain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd sort of you know had was achieving my other things. That's you know, right. I was forging a, a career path, a career. and yeah. and I got married, and yeah. So you, you can't have everything. You can't do everything mm. all at the same time. Mm. Mm. Um, so once all of that was settled in, <clears throat> pardon me, like um, you know, been in the industry for four four years or so and had got married, it's like, well, yeah, now yeah. we can kind of, I can turn some attention back to this. And so in 2000, I came back and painted about sort of 40 odd pieces or more and um, and was having an amazing time with that. It was just great, you know, styles back, can controls back, a little rusty at first. <laughs> you know? But then it's also, what are all these new nozzles and things? Like, yeah. oh, I can go to the shop and buy New York caps yeah. and buy outline caps and buy yeah. what the fuck how sports everyone like mm. this is bullshit mm. you're gonna do that mm. it's cheating yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. but it's just the evolution of it and 
Um, so yeah, that, that was an eye opener. And so during that time as well was, you know, some friends of ours, um, Matt and Tina, yeah, were awesome. very good friends. Uh, we were starting to make music with them. So I was kind of making loops on a mini disc and had a crappy two SLB twos or something, Technics belt drive turntables. Crate now, a couple of crates of records, mm. you know, been slowly collecting again. And um, yeah, and, and then that sort of spurred on to, okay, we really want to make music. My wife's a singer, but yeah. she's Miss Brown. Miss Brown. Um, and so she had the, the same thing. Like she was super inspired by seeing what was going on with And she was already well-established too. Yeah, she's been a covers singer for eight yeah. years, like yeah. well-established covers singer for eight years on, yeah. on the corporate circuit, you know, making really good money. And yeah. But that was kind of um, wearing her down as well in terms of it's only so much of that you can do before it really starts to grate. Mm. Um, so, yeah, she started pursuing an original path at mm. that time mm. uh, off the back of just being so inspired by seeing what was going on in the underground hip-hop scene yeah, yeah. That, you know, around then. Yeah. I recall when I first met you, Gavin, and I actually say it in the Deuce Do song, when I first met Decide, I greened out in his crib. You took me to that place, yeah. me, you, Oath and Brownie. Yeah, I think Brownie Barton. drove in Barton and fucking, like, uh, the, you weren't even an established DJ then. Nah, like, you nah, had decks and I remember you had, yeah. like, probably two crates of wax or something yeah. like that and you packed me a cone that was like a fucking bucket, dude. It was like, it was, man, this cone was the size of a fucking bucket and I'd been drinking all day, like, with Oath. Bro, and I smoked this cone. I remember just being in Decide's house. To me, it was like, I'm in Decide's house. Wow. Like, you you were the writer to me, you know? And I yeah. remember you had that wall and I'm sitting on that fucking chair and that wall behind me was covered in your graffiti. You had all those photos over the wall. Yeah, I smoked yeah, this fucking cone and I just, do you remember, dude? I stood up and wigged out that, and I walked out into your living room and you come out and go, dude, the toilet's there. I must have just been as white as a sheet. I was, I was You're not white. the only one. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That, that house. I went and sat on the toilet with my head on my lap. Like, I was just going, fuck, just vomit, cunt. Just hurry up. Just fucking hurry I think up. By the, by the time that happened to you, you were about the fourth yeah. person that had had a similar episode in that house. Oh, and I remember the fucking bong you had, Jen, Jen was just like, oh, no, there's something weird about this house. Well, I don't think it's the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so yeah, that, that's that's a while ago, man. That's, oh, that's a, yeah, dude, yeah. yeah, it was a fucking long time. Two thousand something like that. Yeah, two thousand one, two thousand two, yeah. something like that. But I recall, mm. like, uh, I can't remember. You were playing demos to something. It was like the early stages of music, mm. and you were rapping along to this shit. I think Oath was on something. I don't know Maybe. what it was, but mm. I remember it was it was mm. something. But like music. Music was well entrenched yeah. by then. You yeah, know? so I had a PC then as well. Yeah. And um, so I'd started started making beats on what, I don't know, it's Acid Music or something, Sony Acid Pro or whatever one of those programs were back then and yeah. a bunch of loops and that sort of stuff. But, like, as, as we're all hanging out more and more and we're all kind of, you know, collating together as one big crew, mm. it became pretty apparent to me early on that there's – Heaps of good MCs amongst yeah. us, and and really good producers as well. Mm. But no one DJing. Mm. So I thought I, I, I'm going to knuckle down on this because yeah. it's the thing I've always loved. Yeah. So I'll do this, and if you know, I just love scratching. So mm. I never really, you know, wanted to be a, a turntablist in terms of you know going the DMCs and battle and all of that shit. Like I love it, but it mm. just didn't interest me in that way because it's not what. I was into it for, I was into it more from the social aspect of hanging out with our mates and making our own music. That's, yeah. that's what interested me the most uh, yep. in those times. Um, and, and the next you know, aspect to it was, was the recording. Like, 
other than lazy, like no one, lazy had the DPS, but no one had any gear or, or was recording. That's right. So I thought, well, that's a, a niche that I can do too, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and I guess it's like, I've got no formal training in, in any of these things. I'm no audio engineer and, mm. and you know, like my design comes from my graffiti background and, um, and just then being mentored on the job by the set designer there. So that's how I learnt my craft and what I do as a day job. So I guess it's that that attitude or, or having learnt those skills those ways that it never triggered in my head that I couldn't learn to audio engineer. No. So I just sort of started doing it and yeah. learnt the hard way, you know, like and the internet was still an infantile thing oh, you know, in those days. So, you know, Googling how to do something on YouTube is just non-existent. No. So we, we just, we got in, we just did it, you know, like... Some of the earliest stuff I recorded was you. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I think the yeah. first Town Drunks buddy song. Exactly, man. You um, produced it too. Yeah, you yeah. You produced it. Shit, I did too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think the very first release that I ever had on vinyl was on Culture Kings 3 and it was Truss. Ah, with Big Truss and Corfire's track. Ah, of course. Um, which... And you produced that, didn't you? God, I can't remember if it was... I think you produced it. My beat. I know I recorded it and mixed it and did yeah. cuts on it, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who the beat was, can't remember. No, I think it was yours. Mm. Because you did produce for a little while. You made some beats. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I made a heap of beats, but um, yeah. none of them are that good. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that meticulous <laughs> approach you took to graffiti and then to turn, like, or to, you know, we'll go further into turntablism and whatever else, but... Mm. Man, you took to recording and everything. Mm. You learned everything. Like, you know, well, you... It's, it's, and probably a lot of that just comes from my job, right? Yeah. So working in a, a corporate structure there for those eight years and, and learning about the show must go on and the devil's in the detail, always yeah. devil's in the detail. Yeah. So you just take that approach. And it's, it's like a wild style, you know, like the devil's in the detail. Yeah. It's, and yeah. the cleanliness of it and, you know, all the, all the little things that are going to make it up a piece and a really good piece... It, those same things need to be poured into whatever it is you're doing. Mm. You know? mm. So I guess I'll just take that approach mm. to it. Mm. Um, yeah. Who was mentoring you in DJing? Complex? Like? Yeah, probably Complex. Yeah. Um, shout out to Complex. Big shout out to Complex. Um, Shawnee B as well. Like Shawnee B from a... Sean B, uh, like all of us, and Len One as well. What up, Len? Uh, just from a, a record collecting standpoint, obviously hip hop knowledge is uh, you know extensively there from being a, a fan mm. and a listener. But pardon me, as far as mixing uh, records, probably Sean and, yeah. and Complex, yeah, um, and and getting involved in the radio show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've which, never seen. I just want to interrupt. I've never seen a DJ. Who can flip wax like complex? Like quite seriously, oh, yeah. the dude no, he's is off the chain. Yeah. he is off the chain. And yeah. like, if he's I don't know, he's back actually. He lives yeah, in Cairns. Yeah, he lives in Cairns. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, fuck, I'd love to get him on here because mm. he is just a fucking. He's a fountain of knowledge, man. A fountain of knowledge. Mm. Like grew up with hams, yeah. you know, whatever else. And Jeff yeah. talks and a lot Jeff. about complex yeah. in his episode. But like, yeah. what he did, what he created, the the the, and also what he gave to us. Yeah. Like the he put himself in. Like, Absolutely, he he invested no, home, home, but like, you know, no, no. he put he put a lot of what he. <laughs> has into us like he gave he us so yeah, much yeah, you know did. like absolutely and doesn't did. get the props does no like, no he's a quiet achiever man. yeah quiet, man the quiet yeah. achiever no that's Russ and he, <laughs> you're confusing him cunt <laughs> is, is that your nickname Russ yeah okay that's what his album you fuckhead oh right yeah I'm out of the loop <clears throat> yeah so yeah complex definitely yeah. Um, there was another guy called the Bluffster around then too who was, he was a family friend like um from my wife's side of the family. He's a Kiwi guy. He'd moved over from New Zealand. He was a 
sick R&B DJ, dope on the cut. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we hung out a bit. Um, but, yeah, in terms of scratching, it would have been complex. Yeah. Mixing records, it would be Sean and complex. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just, again, it's lock yourself in your bedroom and spend hours and hours and, and hours on end and go. Yeah, And yeah. go and go and go. Yeah. Like my, you know, my doubles of, say, um, Boney and Stoney, you cannot listen to them. They yeah, sound like... Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Brother just, Stoney just lays from, on Lenny. Yeah. Brother from, Stoney lays on Lenny. <laughs> Brother Stoney uh, lays on Lenny. <laughs> Those Rick shows, Gabby, yeah. she just put the record on and it created and crashed. Brother no, Stoney lays on Lenny. Um, Brother Stoney lays on Lenny. I had a sticker on it. <laughs> I had a sticker on it to create a loop. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yeah, God, that's going back. Yeah. Well, you were a staple of Rick's in those days too. You know, yeah. you were like, you were in there. Yeah, we were. Heavy. Like, uh, oh, we yeah, all were. Brother we yeah. all were. That, that, that sort of era of 03 to 04 mm. from, and the Alley Bar, yeah. like when shows were happening at the Alley Bar, yeah. um, through to the Rev, which um, shout out to Bezo. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Alley Bar was, was well, I think Brodstone had done one show there and then um, Bezo wanted to get them back. And he didn't know how to make contact with them, but my older brother is a former Sony Music That's executive. Right. And he knew Bezo, so he'd Bezo would reach out to Brent and say, "Hey," and they, somehow they were talking. He's like, "Oh, they're my brother's friends." Yeah. yeah. So, oh, cool. Okay. So anyway, one thing led to another, and we um, got back in contact and put on a first gig there at the track or something. It was called. Yeah. And then yeah, that that sort of opened up hip hop shows at the Alley Bar, and Bezo started booking more and more. Mm. And he he did the like the the, the, hood, the hoods, hoods did a couple of shows there. The first show there, they they had the record for the venue, right? It was. 220 people. It was people. something else, man. It was 220 people. And between that show, then there was like a, uh, another Bro Stone show, another, uh, I think, Reason show, a Coolism Reason show. Or something. Yeah, yeah. Coolism. And then uh, even, what was Earth Boys crew, the Elephant Tracks guys? Uh, what fucking... Um, the Herd. The Herd. Uh, and then, then the Hoods came back and... This was nosebleed section had just dropped. Just, just dropped, just. right? And it's now dumb enough was popping on the radio. Yeah, and like it's, dumb enough. Yeah, but and then, it's Triple J yeah. rotation that kicks shit in. Was fucking disgusting. And so they sold night. tickets to um to that show, and it sold out instantly. And then, like five hundred people turn up to the Bro. alley bar, and it fits. And he crammed most of them. In yeah, there. It, it fits. Two twenty, yeah, like not comfortably. Two twenty with fire exit blocks, people standing on the pool tables, standing on drums, you yeah. know. And so I, I distinctly remember the show, and we were all support acts for yeah, that yeah. gig. Yeah, and it was hot as fuck in there. It, it was, was disgusting. so disgustingly disgusting. hot. The hoods are performing, and I'm I'm just standing side stage, looking out the crowd, and it's a tiny venue, right? It's like I don't know, f- stitch five of this studio together, mm. and that's it. Mm. And there's girls with their titties out in the front row, mm. and it's just like I look out the audience, and it's it's like a grandstand. Mm. People are just piled up on every bit of furniture that they can possibly stand on. Oh, for and this. you could spit from one side yeah. of this venue to the other. Like, and fuck, bloody, I just remember, you know, they pause and Safa looks at me, bends down at side stage, is like, "What the fuck's going on, man?" Bro, that <laughs> was like, else. "Bro, you got a radio hit. It looks like, you know, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, 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 <laughs> you got yeah. a radio hit, yeah, you know." And yeah, there's so many angry people downstairs that couldn't get in, and yeah. And that was, you know, that's the last we saw of them in venues that size. They just, they just took off. You yeah, know, took they off took quick off from and, there. Yeah. yeah. So all of those gigs, like we were, we were. That was a night. If there was a rap night board, happening, remember? <laughs> <laughs> hey? I remember Eric standing side of stage <laughs> drinking the port. Remember? Oh like, god, oh, no, we're yeah. not going to go there. But yeah, yeah, it was a fucking big night. Yeah. So that, um, yeah, that that era. If there was hip hop gigs on, we were. We were doing them, yeah, or yeah. we were supporting the, the touring acts that were coming through. Yeah, and it was purely because that's what we did. We yeah. all just did it, and you know, wanted mm. to be there. 
Did you go into radio pre the Laundered Beats thing or was Laundered Beats pre you going into radio? So an early compilation mm. that came out of Brisbane was a thing called Laundered Beats that featured essentially us. It was like the early yeah. stages of a 750 recording almost, yeah. but it was individual tracks and it featured the Brother Stoney, featured Mr. Yourself and Miss mm. Brown. It was what we were just talking about yeah, before it's... that featured the first Town Drunk song, mm. 03, I think, or 02. It's got to be something like 03, 02, yeah. 03 maybe. 03. Yeah. And you produced the Town Drunk song on there yeah. and it also had so Jay me, me and a, a mate called Onion Cack, a, a DJ used to um, – and producer, shout out to, to Scott and Kate, yo. Um, he, it, we're the ones who put that release together. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was some of his beats. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a collective, yeah. like a compilation thing that we did. Um, yeah, I'm not sure as to the where I stood with the rap show at that point. Mm. I was kind of going in and helping out, just hanging out really mm. with um, Complex and and Sean. Catch it left. By front, that yeah, catch it left. Yeah. yeah, catch it left. Um, and it, like I grew up on that show as well, right? just Fuck. to just to be clear, like exactly. from it being probably not the Just Do Def show that Jeff speaks of, uh, I know he started it, and um, but yeah, from from when Catch was doing that, I'd mm. listen to that every Friday night. Yeah. If it wasn't out, yeah. I'd be at home dubbing that show. So big yeah. respects to to Catch oh, for man. for um, frenzy with to him all of them, yeah, and frenzy as well. Um, so yeah, it's probably around that oh uh, three oh four time. O three, I think that I got in with those guys, and and it was really just again we're all mates, but it's a relentless slog, as you know, doing that show. So yeah, yeah. you need extra hands, you need other people to to help, you yeah. know, um, yeah, because it's it's hard work. Yeah. So yeah, I just basically I think eventually um, complex complex left, and I took over his with mm. Sean mm. and I can't remember how many years it was probably about seven years that I was there doing yeah, that for, for a while yeah how did you how, <clears throat> at what point did you go okay I'm not uh, I'm not really going to be that ITF DMC dude which you could probably have been like that that approach you took to DJing you um, could easily have put a routine <sighs> together but you became more of the live show DJ you became mm. an like an amazing mixer of records like you could mix records was that through that radio era or did you decide it was through radio and doing shows yeah like we were just doing shows we we're doing so many shows it's true, between miss brown um, um brother stoney mm. town drunks and i was a dj for everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. the only dj in the crew like lopsy wasn't around Until then lopsy, yeah, yeah. um so yeah i, I guess it, it all just came from that like i was so busy just doing gigs um mm. and and probably doing radio that i never really thought of going in those comps i mean i was even asked to judge them every now and again i was like oh, i'm not judging those man yeah, like yeah. I, I don't have a right to be up there judging them you know yeah. I, I know all the stuff they're doing but i'm not going to be going passing judgment on who's better than who yeah you know because that's not what i do yeah um so yeah and i got more enjoyment out of jumping around on stage with you guys yeah, 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 you know yeah, like that's that's it and i love the art of like hip-hop fundamentally that's what it is. It's the MCs and the DJ, right? Mm, mm. And it's that interaction thereof. I mean, shit, in the beginning, the, the MC was the guy that just announced shit. That's right. It was all about the DJ, yep. you know? It's yep. MCs like you've left your lights on or whatever and yeah. that sort of... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And so, you know, MCs at the forefront, obviously, in, in what we do. And But, yeah, no, it, it's that thing of just enjoying getting rowdy with your mates on stage and watching the crowd have a great time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I didn't see a need for turntablism. I, I love juggling mm. and I would do that continually at home, but mm. I wouldn't feel the need to be doing that kind of stuff in the club because people don't dance to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people yeah. aren't there to hear you, yeah. you know, 
bastardised records by making crazy turntable noises. So. I remember a couple of your DJ gigs. I think there was one at, oh, where was it? Fucking, oh, it was the Rev. So, like, post the Alley Bar. So, I suppose we're moving yeah. into, like, 0304 now, like, mm. as the Alley Bar fades out. But you DJed a gig one night. And I remember it was one of the first times I really paid attention to you as a DJ. Mm. And you had a mix of, uh, it was non-fictions, the CIA is still trying to kill me, the remix yeah. at the end of the album mm. where they do all the metal references, mm. into anti-up. Oh, yeah. Oh, bro, you killed this yeah. fucking mix, man. I remember just standing inside a stage and I'm probably smoking a durry and just having a drink and I'm like, wow. Like, that's mm. when I first noticed mm. how fucking amazing you were mm. on some turntables because mm. you're up there fucking jumping around, like, play, just playing the music, man. Mm. Just playing music. That's the key to it. Like, you got to be having a great time yourself and I yeah. learned that from Complex. You watch Complex DJ. He I'm does saying. not stop moving. This is what I'm saying. He never stops moving. He must burn about two kilos right. every time he does a gig. He's, he's jiving the whole time, man. Like, yeah, he's absolutely. fucking moving. Yeah. The whole time. You have to be. You he's doing them juggles. Like. You see him with the headphones on and he's fucking dancing. Yeah. Like. But you've got to be feeling it. Like you've got to be right in there living that song, feeling that song and, and living it with the crowd and seeing what the crowd's doing and what they're feeling. And you'll know, you know, what what should come next. Yeah. It's like, am I going to ramp this up or are they already just broken from the last four bangers? Do we just yeah. wind it back a notch? Do we go here? Do we go there? Yeah. It's all about sort of vibing with the crowd and you can only do that if you're into it yourself and yeah. enjoying every moment of it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I really enjoy playing records like that. Just yeah. just love it. It's, yeah, yeah. it's, so, it's such good fun. Yeah. You know, it's like, bam, that track's in and oh, yeah. everyone's going nuts. And, oh, yeah. and the first thing you're doing as soon as you've done that is what's next? Yeah, dude. <laughs> you're thinking what's next what's yeah, next yeah, yeah, flip yeah. flip 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 yeah yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. you and exactly using vinyl man mm. like you're yeah. you're spinning records there was no serato no serato nah. no then no nah. oh, what a blessing that was though when it yeah came along. <laughs> <laughs> i don't have to lug two crates yeah, to the club dude. anymore you know yeah yeah, yeah. save my records and not getting worn out yeah and, exactly you know, there's a lot of haters for the the digital tech when it came in but well, i tell you as, as someone who was lugging that shit around all the time i was a fan <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, fucking A. Well, where does it fucking <clears throat> at what state like what is the first release? Like what's the that you worked on? What's the first fucking cause that's what I don't know. Ooh. Uh Laundered? Yeah, probably Laundered Beats. Laundered Beats. Yeah. And what follows that? Uh, probably Miss Brown. Yeah, uh, I was doing cover art as well oh, along the way. So, mm -hmm. so as far as the Brother Stoney stuff or Lazy stuff, I did all of Ben and Queensland artwork. Um, of course, yeah, yeah. Tap and Buttons mm -hmm. artwork, and yeah. So first release musically probably was Laundered Beats. Yep, and yep. then uh, I know the first thing on vinyl was that Culture Kings three track. Yeah, and then after that was. God, there's there's lots of songs always happening as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some things maybe on compilations, and yeah. we had something on um, Josie Styles had those. That's right, straight, straight from, from the, the art. Yeah. Uh, so I had a couple of things on there, and God, they're they're terrible when you listen to them now. Um, but yeah, probably the the first actual solo, not solo release, but release uh, as a full complete thing would have been Beg Borrowed or Stolen with ah. Glenn. Yeah, and that was all big borrowed, borrowed stolen yeah. beats. Yeah. But he and I banged out that record in about six months. Yeah, you and Lem one just recording, 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 yeah. mixing, mixing, recording, mixing, recording, mixing. Yeah, bang, let's go to press. It's yeah. amazing how sort of um, what's the word? Can't even think of the word, but how sort of ahead that record was in terms of how it was packaged mm. and what you guys did with it, like mm. you and Len one, like mm. it was fucking. Yeah, particularly when you look at what 40, 45 culture is now, is like now. the yeah. seven inches and all that kind yeah. of thing. Like the it is, up. it's the cover mm. art and mm. the the approach to it was 
completely vinyl, mm, yeah. largely, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, and just bugged out recordings and yeah. bugged out guest verses. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely was. And, you know, that's also the, the theme of the record with um, Beg, Borrowed or Stolen. Um, all the tracks are named accordingly yeah, as well. True. Um, yeah. In that regard. Yeah, one of my favourite bloody verses ever is Bigfoot's on there. I, I never Dude. sleep. Dude, you, you just, man, we were talking about it just but, before you arrived because I'd actually forgotten. So I'd written down a bunch of shit yeah. and then I just did my little, I just did a simple Google thing mm. and the first thing that pops up was Beg Beats when you type in fucking um, DJ mm. Decide or whatever. Mm. It was Beats Beg Borrowed or Stolen. Yeah. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, oh, I completely forgot about that. And me and Gus were talking about the Bigfoot appearance the Bigfoot on that. appearance on that. Oh. It's just kills it. Man, Absolutely. Owns it. It's incredible. Christ. It's incredible. Um, and you can go back to Bigfoot's episode. We talk about it on that. Like he just mm. took a record and he produced it He um, and then gave it to Len, but largely just took a big loop and just mm. rapped over this amazing piece of music, yeah. you know, about not being able to sleep. Yeah, which is a, a thing from him from his yeah. accident. From, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. From the, the tram thing. But, um, yeah, shout out to Biggie. What mm. I've done. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, from, from there, man, we were – we were all just sort of one big melting pot of crew and that's essentially how 750 formed. You, yeah. know, you remember it was like every gig that would be on would be featuring Brothers Stoney, Miss Brown and DCE and yeah. the Town Drunks and yeah. Ken Oath and yeah. so oh, for fuck's sake, why don't we just build this as one thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and it yeah, doesn't matter exactly. who turns up and who doesn't, yeah. we'll just flex the bloody set on the night because yeah. I was DJing for everyone. So it's like, yeah, oh, geez, whoever's up is up. Yeah, yeah. Let's just go with the flow, you know, yeah. and it made it a lot easier. Did you, know? you DJ, because I can't remember and I was thinking about this and I thought this was the first time you DJed for us and this is also the first time I think I recall like what would have become 750 on stage in terms of whatever. 750 already existed. It existed mm. as 750 Rebels, whatever. It was, you know, that crew. But uh, it was a B, it was it was a BYO show and it was to raise money that it was Nick Race organised a show to raise money for the 9-11 thing. The Twin where, Towers had come down. This? It was at the zoo and it was me, Oath and Lazy. And it was actually the first time I shared the stage with Lays. I'm pretty sure. I don't I'm think pretty so. Sure. I don't so think it's I late 2001 maybe, early 2002. Yeah, no, probably not me. And it was billed as Backyard, backyard of BYO. Backyard, backyard Originals. originals. And no. I thought you DJed for us. I that. don't think I did that. Uh, I remember I fucked up my verse that night. I was fucking, yeah. dude. I wanted to kill myself when I walked off stage. It was the <laughs> first time rapping alongside those cunts and I <laughs> fucked up one of my verses. I was just uh, like, Yeah, no. Know? Don't think I did that one. No, okay. Mm, no. Well, what about... um. Uh, dude, actually, you know what? Let's go into the Statesman, man, because the Statesman, mm. what a fucking monumental record, man, that maybe, well, is probably entirely slept on, isn't it? Drama to the finish, man. Like, and mm. I know the the task that it was mm. to put together. Yeah, no, um, it was it was that, and probably, uh, I know Sean's spoken a lot about that, that release on this podcast, but... Um, mm. It was Sean's solo album project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd had that project in the works for seven years or so. And it was always sort of ticking along at a at a pace. But he was working on it with um, another guy, Harry Chronic. Right, I mean, Sean. Remember mm. Sean, LBC? Oh, of course. A little bit, Sean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it all kind of – I can't remember the details of what happened. But anyway, that like he went back to overseas. Yeah. Because they were both working um, they at Light lost, Sounds at Lutwich. Yeah, Light Sounds at Lutwich. Had yeah. a good studio there. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, in that time, I think, Sean was gearing up to try and release that album and it was still not complete and he'd asked me to help him, you know, finish it. Yeah. But we were well and truly more established as and 750. Had and, advanced. And yeah. had advanced a long way from 
what those those, uh, those, those verses were that all of you guys had recorded. And yep. so I remember, you know, as we're talking to each sort of each and every one of you, it's sort of like, oh man, I really don't really, I don't, like I don't want that to come out because yeah. I've done so much more since. It's such a throwback and. So, yeah, I just sort of talked to Sean and we agreed that, well, the best way to do it is to kind of start from scratch and let's do this as a, uh, the two of us as a, a duo release. Yep. And, um, so, yeah, we basically did scrap it and we started again and just brought in all our friends and mm. did what we did and made that record. And we did it with a view to just making as good an album as we could but with the you... diversity on it that we yeah. wanted. Um, but your input on that record, you were half the album. Like, like you know, obviously mm. you've taken a lot of Sean's ideas, the mm. original, but, you know, I know personally and we'll get into it, like, you know, sort of like with Commercial Hell and whatever, I know what like what your involvement can mm. can bring to mm. an album, man. Like you bring a – like I, I don't know, like whether it's – um. Uh, what's the fucking what like like track list? What's the, what's that called? Arranging, arrange the arrangement yeah. of an album, yeah. like you yeah. know the, the, uh, those overall touches. Like there's skits through things, mm. the way the album plays. Yeah. It's such like it was. It, it's an inspiration to me, and particularly mm. listening to it now, I'm just kind of like fuck. Because I remember at the time it was you know it was it was almost an arduous process to put together. Mm. Sean wasn't great on the mic, and he mm. he admits to that. You know, mm. like and you had to record a lot of that and mm. then add you know, mm. those elements and you were bringing us in to do bits and pieces. Yeah. So that's the thing I like doing mm. like because like I was saying earlier, there's lots of really good rappers and lots of really good producers, particularly in now uh, in the mix of the people that we're involved with. Um, when I say producers, like they're producers are beat makers, yeah, you know, yeah. really good beat makers. I mean, yeah. great beats. Yeah. Um, um, there's, there's a whole, there's another phase and another stage in, producing great songs, mm -hmm. uh, I feel anyway. Like mm -hmm. everyone has their own approach, right? But I think there's there's great beats and there's great raps mm. and they come together and they make a, a good song, mm. you know? But mm. then the next stage is arranging that song yeah, uh, and, and going through that song meticulously about the journey that happens throughout that song yeah. and looking at the production yeah. and where certain certain bits of instrumentation need to come and go mm. come or go mm. um what direction it needs to take overall so so the it's the arc of the story of the song mm. that you're trying to get the best out of yeah so i really enjoy that because i'm getting it with kind of fresh ears mm. uh, i haven't been the guy that sat there freaking hours on end slaving over the mpc mm. to to get the beat to that point mm. and i've been the guy that's you know slaving over the the rhyme pad to get the rhyme structure right yeah but when it comes to me it's like there's the beat cool we bang that in and now we've got the mc in the um studio on the mic open faders mm. and i'm kind of hearing it for the first time mm. so we get it down as it's been prepared but i still see well it's fresh to me and i can you know let's try these things yeah, and see yeah. how we can get the best out of this song yeah. and make a good song a great song. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I think that's sort of how it mm. kind of works and, and it's definitely how it worked with um, The Statesman in particular. Mm. But Sean had all the production. Yeah. He wrote his verses and he arranged the, the guest MCs to, you know, get up on those tracks and I recorded X amount of them and some were probably recorded elsewhere. Mm. Um, so then it becomes, once you're, you're doing that with each song, you kind of can't finish arranging each song until you've got the overall arrangement of the album. Mm. 
because then you you well when I'm, when we're crafting an album you want to bring it together as one cohesive listen that yeah, takes yeah. you on a journey from front to back. Yeah. And one of my pet hates is when you you get a record from your your favorite artist and you put put the album on and you get through it and you're just like man if I just moved this track to here and this one yeah, to here yeah. that would flow so much better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That that whole structure of the record and the feelings that that it evokes along the way mm -hmm. and yeah, all of that. Like mm. I hate saying mm. that about a record. So mm. I never want to have that about anything that we did. Yeah, yeah. Ever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um so you you just wanna yeah, put your all into to that aspect and arranging I think is a it's a very big thing. Yeah, yeah. And engineering on the other side, like mixing is that's a whole nother black magic, you know. There's uh, to it, and I don't make no bones about being any good at it. We just, oh, just but try, mean, but but at the same know. time, I could take a demo. I could record with you and take a demo home and know essentially how it fucking sounded, mm. which wasn't something that would happen where, where you know, like any any person I recorded with, we'd record and we'd stop, and that was the end of the song. Yeah. But when I recorded with you, mm. it was like, nah, fuck, hold on, let's mm. let's do this, let's try this, no, 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 do this, do mm. this, and then it was just a whole like it was a, an amazing vibe. It was mm. just a process. Yeah. You know, I always enjoyed recording. Mm. I enjoyed recording with Proof in particular, and mm. you. Mm. You know, like it was just it was good. Yeah, and one thing I learned over the years of. Uh, particularly working with you guys was at the end of the night, like dry raps on on a dry beat. Uh, you guys would start to pick it apart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I kind of wouldn't let a dry recording leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after everyone's finished and we're all you know Yahoo and yeah. having a great time, I'd go through and bang a quick mix together and quick tidy up and just something that's going to emulate where the end product is kind of heading. Yeah. Because if it's just dry, within a week you're like, I'm coming back to record my voice. I'm yeah, like, no, I didn't like that. I'm going again. It's now, really good, that. dude. You're just not hearing yeah, what yeah, the yeah. potential of the end result is. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would stop giving them out like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, it was also the same with recording. We used to record drive it, then I started, you know, using compression and a bit of effects yeah. and EQ and stuff on your, your playback. Yeah, yeah, So you could hear yourself and go, fuck, I sound good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, not, not uncompressed and all of that sort, yeah, of, yeah. sort of stuff. And it would just, it would help. It would help the MC see the vision yeah. Um, yeah. Of, of the final product. Yeah. And you know what I just thought then? I think the first wax... Oh, no, 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 no. Maybe it's not the first wax, but the 750-12. Yeah. Dude, I mean, you were uh, largely at the helm of the 750-12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you record it all? Yeah. Oh, Peter recorded some of it. Uh, yeah, Peter recorded Proof had set up the studio yeah. by then and recorded maybe one I'd have to check the line and it's been, it's, yeah, I, can't I can't remember, remember anymore. I can't remember. But I know uh, Hostile Takeover, that mm. crashed your computer mm. and you lost everything. Yeah, Recording we were lucky on a hot to get. Summer's day. Mm. Yeah. No, it melted my hard drive. Being at <laughs> being at the helm of that crew, like being one of the DJs, like dude, you were one of the driving forces behind that crew. I mean, you lazy, every I mean, everyone fucking played their role. You know, Lopsy yeah, had come in by that stage and all that kind of thing. Mm. But you were handling a lot of the creative. You were handling, all, mm. you know, like a lot of what went on. Man, your reflections on that's that that key seven fifty era. Like when we've got the twelve out, when we're doing those big shows, you know, mm. like reflections on it, bro. Just yeah. Some of the greatest. It's a pretty fucking my, broad yeah. question. No, yeah. I know I'm it pretty is, good at him, though. <laughs> I, I think it's some of the, the greatest times of my life. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, absolutely yeah. do. Yeah, um, I'd like to think it's the same for all you guys. Oh, yeah, 100 um, without fail. Because we were just we were just doing what we did. Mm. We were making mm. the music that we gave 
two shits about anyone else liking. Mm, mm. None whatsoever. This is just what we liked because it's uh, we're all fans first and foremost and the type of music we're listening to is what's influencing us at that time and mm. and now we've got the ability to and the skills to actually deliver some some what we felt was a good product, mm. put it out there in the market. If people liked it, then great. If they didn't, who gives a fuck? We'll just yeah. do it again anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was, you know, it was, it was just raw and honest in its approach of what we were trying to do. Yeah, yeah, no, Nothing more and yeah. nothing less. Were you, you know? with the helmet Carson Jenks by then? Like we... We were always sort of, you know... I don't know. It was it was a thing that no uh, around Spit Vicious. Yeah. Not not really. It came out of carcinogenics formula. Like uh, was what's the word for it? Solidified more so yeah, after yeah, yeah. that Spit Vicious release. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just as a more formal arrangement yeah, in that yeah. regard. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I guess it's just yeah um, come down to uh, skills of who had what. That's right. You know, who could do what and, yeah. you know, like I'd learn a lot through the corporate uh, work that I do in business and, yeah. you know, uh, in terms of just general software and shit like that, mm. you know, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, la- I mean, I suppose what it started with sort of Lazy and Lenny and the writers are non with carcinogenics and then, mm. like, I, ca- I mean, I can, f- you know, like I just, I remember bits and pieces but I can't remember the lineage or timeline of how things sort of go and I just look at the albums and I go, Oh fuck! Okay, like that was that was then, and that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh well, when does that sort of come into play? When does that aspect? And you know, that's why mm. sort of work it around the seven fifty twelve because what was the seven fifty twelve oh seven? Yeah, 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 oh seven. And it was relatively successful for what it was. It was mm. fucking a successful twelve. Yeah, oh, very. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think we only pressed three hundred and it shipped bloody shipped and sold out in a week. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, it was on Shogun at the time, and it was the fastest selling twelve inch ever. That was yeah, uh, yeah at the yeah. time. Yeah. So yeah, no, well that was that was really good. Yeah, it was. yeah, <laughs> fucking a, dude. Fucking like a. I should press more, but you know. fucking a. Well, around that time, you start forming those relationships with bias, reason, all that sort of thing. Yeah, like we need to, we have to go into those that that working relationship you have mm. with bias for so many years. His, man. His, Even up until today, you did you you did the artwork for what was the last release? Um, Backburners. Backburners. Yeah, yeah. You know? mm. No, I'm um, shout out shout out to to B to bias B. Um, hands down, one of the greatest humans I know. Yeah. Um, fantastic friend, and I've got a lot of respect for him. He's a he's a no bullshit guy. Yeah. Um, he, you know, um, he gets things done. Mm. Whatever, whatever he turns his mind to, says he's going to do. He does it. Mm. Mm. Um, I met him through, just through the through the crew, really through I think through Odie and Hams originally. I know uh, I left my black book at Odie's house in the end of the nineties, and mm. I picked it up and it had bias B bloody throw-ups in it and yeah. drawings of bees. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, some weird thing with bees that he's got. Um, yeah, so no, we, we're just, I think we're just like-minded people and we yeah. struck up a friendship really quickly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I've sort of worked with Bias over the years and, um, you know, I did a remix of Ladies Man and I've done some cover art for him and did um, Beastrumentals and... Some some of his earlier stuff and backapellas and things like that and um, have, I mean, have done lots and lots of shows with him. Yeah. Um, I worked with Puzzle on doing the Bias Life cover art. Oh, did you so, work on that? Yeah, really? so the original concept art is is by Puzz and I, I just did some um, actual effects work on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, just Photoshop effects work um, and then our tour DJed for Bias for that. For that album tour, yeah, and probably, I would say hands down, actually, this that 
show, the Bias Life launch, uh, album launch at the Corner Hotel in Melbourne. Would oh, have that was his retirement show it, or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it was his retirement show. Um, that would have to be probably one of my favourite shows of all time, if not the... Well, he sold out the Corner, didn't he? Sold out the Corner Hotel, pretty much. It was like, oh, no, close to, I remember there being at least 800 people in there. And that venue, if 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 you've toured venues around this country, that the Corner Hotel is like the the pinnacle, really, of before you cross over into you know larger venues and yeah. all that shit. It just so many amazing artists have played at that venue, yeah. and they are fucking incredible at yeah. what they do in that venue. The soundos are amazing. The way it's set up, it's just gorgeous. They know their shit yeah. in there, right? They know it really well. Sound is impeccable. Um, and just the vibe, you know, and like I went through a long period of through the early years of us doing our shit where I'd suffer nerves before going on stage. And I know, you know, what I'm talking about because you are the worst MC that I've ever worked with yeah. that burns a hole in the floor pacing before we get oh, on pace, stage. Pace, like like a pace, pace and pace and pace and pace and oh, chain bro, smoking. Be and fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. we get on stage and you get and you murder it every time and yeah. it's like, oh, you know, I don't know what all this bloody pacing's about. But What's it called? Fucking, I haven't done a show in so long, but my missus, oh, show mode. That's yeah, always what it was. Jake oh, Jake's in show, show mode. mode. Let him yeah, go. So, let him go. <clears> and I used to talk to anyone, fuck yeah. off, like leave me alone. I used to have a lot of that too mm. and it's shit as a DJ because your, your fingers get a bit jittery and you can't scratch properly. Yeah. And, and yeah, a couple of songs in, you start to loosen up and all that. So the way you you know down a couple of drinks and get a bit loose before you go on, that helps. Yeah. But that this was by the time we're doing bias life, we're quite you know, well and truly years deep in the game, mm. and that was in particular I was past that sort of shit ha happening, and I, I just learnt to put it out of your head that just go up there and treat it like a rehearsal, go up there and treat it like you are just having fun in your bedroom at home yeah. and that's what I would do I'd just step out there and I remember stepping out on that stage and looking at that crowd and they, every one of those faces were there for bias B oh, yeah. and I'd, I just had shivers down my spine mm. because I know the 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 work that bias has put in yeah. into developing not only himself and his his music and his craft and his art mm. but what that has led to for the broader industry mm. and culture mm. wide here yeah. in Australia, yeah, you know, he's, he's a pivotal days. foundation artist that without him and a handful of others doing what they did, there would not be that thing that is, uh, that is around today. So yeah, to see that and to, to see him step on stage and, and that adulation that people had, um, admiration and just like respect. Yeah. I was like, man, this is incredible. Mm. And, it was the most relaxed show where we just killed it. Yeah, yeah. Had a fantastic time. The yeah. crowd was so into it. It was bananas good. Yeah, yeah. And I remember stepping off stage going, I don't think it gets any better than that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? This, yeah. That's, that's why we do it. Yeah, dude. You know, you do it for yourself first and foremost and, if, and it gets to that point where that, that energy in the room, Yeah. I've never felt it before and it mm. was just there was so much love for what was happening mm. at that time and, yeah. It was outstanding. So word him up, B. Yeah, you yeah, killed yeah. it that night, son. But you also, like, <laughs> I, I would, I would. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to put fucking words in your mouth. You can tell me. But I know another show, the first Robert Hunter Cup. Where yeah, you that's DJ'd, another time. Yeah. DJ for Boney and Stoney. And, and I know from yeah. a personal standpoint, when I got to introduce yeah. Boney and Stoney, yeah. and Bias invited me yeah. to do that. Like, I don't think I'm throwing yeah, it. So I don't that, think that B would give a fuck me saying that. Absolutely pivotal moment. Told so. me to come down yeah. and, you know, if you're coming, you're doing mm. this. And I'm like, oh, word, I'm not. I don't give a fuck if my name's like, like mm. and you, me and you put together that little fucking little routine to do like three yep. song routine to do yeah, to introduce yeah. Boney and Stoney yep. and like for me for me personally like and I think for you too mm. like we both love 
of that record holds a special place for Absolutely. all of us, Boney and Stoney, man. Absolutely. And then to introduce them and for you mm. to DJ for them for the entire set and yeah. for me to introduce them, I was yeah. just... It's crazy. You know, no, yeah. it's a career highlight. And then you would go on to play a role in the second Hunter Cup. Mm. Yeah, um, by, uh, the second gig. Yeah, was it the second one? The yeah, yeah. Well, the whole Hunter Cup, Robert Hunter Cup thing came about. Uh, that Adam put that together, the, the football game. That's and, right. In honour of, of Rob. But yeah, that first one was when Hunts was still alive and he wanted to see Bone and Stoney for the. Oh, no, that's when he went to Perth. Oh, that's when we went to Perth, yeah. yeah so there yeah. was that show, which this was, was just the post. outstanding. This was after he'd passed yeah, and we went f- to Melbourne, did the Corner Hotel yeah, again. Yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah, so that gig, Corner Hotel, yeah, yeah just as great, just as awe inspiring. Yeah, yeah. yeah, same sort of reaction there. Same amount of love. Like, uh, I forgot the about room. the Perth show. Can you tell us mm. about the Perth show? DJ the Perth show was, yeah, um, because of because Hunts was, you know, mm. passing, were going to be passing soon with cancer and his, one of his dying wishes was to see a Boney and Stoney show. Mm. So Adam um, Bias had put together uh, the Heat for Hunts sale yeah. uh, on eBay. So he got Australian artists to donate That's a whole right. bunch of product. Uh, I think we raised something like 12 grand or, yeah. or more. Yeah. Uh, I remember getting a giant check, designed up a giant check and got that printed and we, you know, took that to Perth with us, with us to do this show. Um, yeah, so we went to, to Perth and um, basically there was a Boney and Stoney show, just four hunts. Yeah, yeah. And to see him there, just, you know, blown out of his mind that he was getting to see it and he yeah. got up on stage and there was tears and, yeah. you know, it was it was an amazing thing. Just yeah. such an amazing thing to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, an amazing thing to do for, for Rob, for yeah. Hunter. Yeah. Um, rest in peace, Hunter. Like, yeah, rest in peace, Hunter. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. So, yeah, just bias is that guy. Like, he's he's he'll do anything for you. Just don't fuck him over. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Don't piss him <laughs> you off. You, don't piss him <laughs> don't off. Piss him you know? off. <laughs> he'll, let, he'll let you know. Yeah, I'll fucking real know. quick. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and that's what I like about him. He's very straight up and down, man. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Yeah, shouts to Vice. Yeah, shouts to Vice. And yeah, so I did get to work on his latest um, release. And so his wife, Lenice, the lovely Lenice, um, took the did the photography for that. Mm. And um, yeah, too, yeah. yeah, so that that made my job super easy. Just mm. beautiful photos to work with. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, Bias is usually pretty forward in what he wants. Um, so yeah, we come up with the, the look and yeah. kept it clean, kept it simple. Yeah, it's, there's no need to you know bullshit around with crazy yeah. stuff. What yeah. is your approach to design when you're doing these albums? Like you know, as we've we've touched on, you did Band in Queensland mm. early. You've done Bias's fucking stuff. You did Maddie B. I mean, you cut on Trem's album. You know, like there's so much, dude. Like really, when you go through, it's a career of fucking highlights, <clears> man. Like, what are some of your design highlights? You know, like ah, uh, ooh, jeez, um, crikey, Maddie B's there. second album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. No, shout out to Maddie. Big shout out to Maddie. That, I've been talking to him about getting a, him on the podcast. That was a, um, that was a funny project. Get we, back at him. we ended up cooking records in my backyard for that. On a barbecue. <laughs> on a barbecue. Um, <laughs> what was it called? Simple <clears throat> but effective. Yeah. Yeah. Not the most effective album cover. Um, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Gav. No, we don't. We moment. don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's be fucking honest. <laughs> oh, well, Maddie B made classics, man. Yeah. That album cover. <laughs> oh, well, the truth be known, as Matt will attest to, I. Took him to lots of locations, but his heart was set on shooting it in my backyard. <laughs> so really? Come on, Matty, we can do that. Uh, anyway. So, that's what he wanted. You yeah, catered to I'd, what? I'd had to. Your client. You know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because um, he was recording. You recorded a lot of that too, didn't you? He was recorded recording with all you. of that. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he'd moved over here. So That's right. He had. He'd moved to the Gold Coast, I think. Yeah. And um, yeah, so his connects were obviously SBX crew in Perth, and didn't really know anyone else, and yeah, just handed me until I said yes, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No artwork highlights. Um, I've done so many covers. Yeah, I can't. Right. I can't really remember all of them. I think from a Stonebroke. Yeah, I did Stonebroke. Um, because I think like they're just. And I think, I can't remember, I mean, I'd have to go back and listen to these episodes, but I think we spoke with Lenny about the artwork, how the artwork for Stone Broke was different on CD and vinyl. Mm. And I think it's it's it great was. artwork, man. It was, dif- yeah, different on and, those. Uh, Malice's logo. Yeah, Malice's logo. I was, it was very early on in graphic design for me doing that yeah. project, so I was kind of, you know, feeling it out. Um, and and we had uh, great photography by Rowena Mollica, I think, shot okay. the pics for that. And that, that were slides, so I had to get these slides, um, little yeah, slides scanned at high res, which was really difficult in those days because that technology was not, you know, in everyone's home. Um, yeah, that, that was a great project. Band in Queensland was a great project. Yeah. Um, we had a you know, thorough concept for that of the detective's desk of with all these, you know, this, ca- this case file on, on yeah. Lazy. Um, so yeah, that that sort of, that was good. I I did like um, one of my favourites is probably Deuce Deuce. Oh shit! Where we, of course. Where we did it's it's not parody. The it's seven homage inch. seven inch artwork to yeah. King of Rock. Yeah. I, I think we stumbled on that because yeah. you already had commercial hell artwork by Beza. No, I hadn't done it yet. Oh, you hadn't done it. Yet? But we were in the pro- we were like, okay, we're gonna do. I think you shot the photography. We probably the idea probably. was there that it's going to be raising it's going to be raising hell. hell. Um, Fuck! I forgot you did Deuce Deuce. And yeah, and completely. And then we'd recorded Deuce Deuce and we'd done all of you that. And I remember, Deuce yeah, Deuce. I remember yeah. that. And we, you and I were like, eh, you know, yeah, hundred oh, percent. And it was Hita who who picked up yep. on that being yep. the track to, to lead with. And yeah, fucking thank you, Hita, because yeah. that song to this day, it's I absolutely love it. Yeah, you know? I yeah. still love it's it to bits. Out. It's such a staple classic of, of Bruce. But yeah, I think that just that simplicity of the nod to Run DMC that we, mm. we took with that mm. um, only reinforced when Commercial Hell came out. It was great to have that theme running mm. through things. The so we had the yeah. King of Rock, then we had Raising Hell, mm. which is the fucking timeline of mm. uh, Run DMC records too. Yeah, yeah. And it was unintentional. Mm. Like, you know, it was you. Like, I think you took a photo. Yeah, fuck, dude. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. We recorded it. I mean, we, you and I recorded Deuce Deuce because Proof was overseas. Yeah. Proof was in Boston at the time. Mm. I'm in Boston, New York. Mm. And I was like, oh, I just wrote this song, fuck it, I'll come over. Yeah. Because I remember my wife-to-be was down the coast and I was like, oh, fuck it, we'll record this fucking song. Let's just, you know, we'll get on the piss gab and yeah. just make a song. And you and I thought nothing of it. It was just like, oh, Yeah, because yeah. we're making such other end of the spectrum stuff yeah. at that time. Like yeah. there's a lot of angry mm. angry rap, a lot of aggressive aggressive stuff going on around that time. And um, and that was just... And that was something that, that was... That wasn't. It was, yeah. you know, storytelling and, and nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when so, I first met Decider Green down in his crib. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah around that time, Lops got out. Facts, after five yeah, exactly, bid. exactly. Yeah, so no, yeah, in terms of artwork, and um, the soundtrack is probably one that I'm, I really like from a, a different approach to design. Oh, the to design. soundtrack, dude, Jesus Christ. Because um, yeah. that whole concept of that with the, all the conspiracy theory yeah. laden record that that is and the, the flowing coloured, it's yeah. representation of money yeah. and the currency of money. Um, yeah, like there was many, many concepts for that, but yeah, yeah, um, 
I can't, you know, I can't remember a lot of the artwork I've done. I've done so many flyers and posters. Oh, and, yeah, dude, that's it. Uh, and graphic design is not my my main forte. It's, you know, yeah. it's something I just love doing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, having been a writer, you, you love playing with visual art. Yeah. Um, and uh, what I do, what I do mostly in my day job is 3D modeling and rendering and lots of 2D construction drafting. It's very um, mechanical at times. Yeah. You know, it's problem solving how to build something. It's it's graphic design is is such a free free place mm, um, mm. because from my world I don't you don't have all of these other physical real world physics come into play with what I do right so mm. if I draw something on the computer that we've got to build I've got to be thinking about materials and and physics mm. how the how the hell do we make that stand up how do how do we join that together? How do I get that from here and into the truck and through the venue door and onto, mm. the, onto that stage or mm. into that TV studio? There's all those, all those other things. They're not restrictions. They're just parameters, additional parameters to work with. You don't have that with graphic design. You've, you've got your output is your, your, your medium. Like um, uh, it's going to be a CD cover, a, a vinyl cover. So, you know, that's the interaction with scale and size yeah, yeah, yeah. and the perception of the, the, the user is holding that in their hand, um, whatever digital on-screen stuff, you know, there's there's those implications that have to be factored in. But really what the visual thing that you create is a very free place yeah, yeah. and it's and you've got a, it's a story to tell. You only have to listen to your, um, your Ben Funnel, April 77. Ah, yeah. He explains all this really well. Yeah. Um, what communication design is about. Well, graphic design is communicating the content, yeah. you know, yeah. the key messages. Big shout to Ben, April 77. What up, Ben? Yeah, yeah, mad fan of your work, mate. Yeah. Peace. Um, yeah, so um, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even remember <laughs> what the fucking question was. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> well, dude, I mean, I, swear, I think it would be remiss. I do want to touch on cold heat just briefly because it's, uh, you know, like – it is what it is, but it was a huge project, mm. and you, you know, you helmed a lot of that project. The video, the fucking everything. I mean, with Josh and yeah, Lays with Josh and, and Hita, and, um, and yeah, that that was a that was a mammoth project. Like um, we filmed that shit for those listening. Like I think you can go on YouTube; it's on there or Vimeo or something like that. The actual like short movie that we yeah, did and all that kind of thing. Rap opera. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, that was a, a film. You've done a bit of video clip work too prior. Yeah, yeah. I, like I don't shoot. No, no, no. Um, essentially, just based on my experience in television and production, I pretty much operate as a, a producer yep. uh, in that role. So um, we'll get, pardon me, Hita and Josh, you know, or whoever in to shoot it and I'll yep. coordinate yeah, and be a be a producer. So, yeah. make sure we have all the equipment that we need. We have the the studio space. We have a green screen. We have locations sorted. We have gear that we need. Um, you know, that's, that's a producer's role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and coordinate talent. And you know, then on the day, it's depending who's directing and who's the director of photography or camera operator. Based on the skills of those people that we're working with, depends on how much. Um, like direction is involved on my behalf or, you know, watching the talent to make sure that delivery is good and yeah. um, <coughs> performance is what it should be. Yeah. Um, so all of that just comes from my day job mm. um, and I try not to – because, you know, I'm, I'm not a camera operator or mm. director of photography or, or a director. So mm. when we're working with the likes of Heath and Josh – 
um, they're amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing at what they do. Mm. And I try to stay out of their way yeah, yeah. and just make sure we've got all the shit that we need. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everything's there that we need and we're good to go. Yeah, it's true. Okay. For those listening, like, Gav could coordinate some shit. Like, when we shot Deuce Deuce, you'd get all the fucking boom arms and shit. Like, so Heath and Josh would come to Brisbane and you'd get the fucking whatever, the bits and pieces. But cold heat, like, I remember we didn't have a location for something and somehow you wrangled us to get into no, the okay. Channel 7 building. Yeah, yeah. I had to I film. A couple it, of locations for that. Yeah, um, I was doing it, oh, but like the gig, a, like lining up that gig, just fucking with yeah, a week's the, notice. The gig and... with a week's notice was pulling strings. Yeah, it, it helps helps when you uh, were just say, oh, we're going to do a, a free seven fifty rebel show. The, yeah. the venue were like, okay, yeah, 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 true, <laughs> cool. True. We'll make money over the bar. Yeah, people drink piss at your shows. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, then yeah, we were stuck for a location. Um, for some internal stairwells and mm. corridors, and mm. so I just pulled strings with my, you know, people I used to work with at Channel Seven, and said, you know, I know this building off by heart, and I know a lot of it's empty. Mm. Uh, can I come and shoot some stuff? Mm. You know, for for a day, and they're like, yeah, cool. Just dude, they gave us just, like a room to just stay out of everyone's way, and yeah. you can use the green room. And we bumped room. into newsreaders and uh, <laughs> all kinds of shit. selfies with Rod Young. Yeah, yeah, yeah Rod Young. <laughs> But, like, we had this room and I remember, yeah. like, you know, like, the, the man, it was all us in our yeah. fucking, like, you know, we, we weren't the easiest people to probably have to deal with. Yeah, and Gav's, an I remember, like, we all got in a room and Gav's like, you cunts can't fucking go here, you can't go here, you got to do this and don't come out of here until I fucking say, like, it was like, oh, shit, like, this is my fucking business. Like, yeah, dude, it was something, man. And to deal with, like, us in that period, like, bro, yeah. you fucking, you did, you did Handful. it. Yeah. Handful. Yeah, so it was that... And that like location, we got. And we're just sitting there. How can we drink? How can yeah. we get a drink in here? <laughs> we got lots out of that, and then um, <clears throat> also the the um, container yard, the shipping yard thing as oh, well. Holy so fuck on the Sunday night. Yeah, I'd done a project with um, a, uh, a, a container there. company that will re- remain nameless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I pulled a contact there, so I just managed to get that location for us for a bloody bottle of Bundy. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah we shot this so. movie over three days. Yeah, three 16-hour days or four. Was it four 16-hour oh, days? To it was watch relentless, it, yeah. Yeah, to watch it, it's like... It, it, but it was eight months of planning that. Yeah. That was lots and lots and lots of back and forth on Skype with me and Lazy and um, up here talking with Heater and Josh right, in yeah. Melbourne. And it started as a, as a film clip. Just it, a it normal did. film clip. Well, you know how And it was like, oh, well, let's, maybe we could do a couple of tracks. Like just, you know, half of this song and half of that song. And before you know it, like it's it's growing and growing into this. Crikey, we're doing this full-blown fucking production. Well, you know where it fucking started. It started as doing, um, initially, I'm pretty sure, started as doing a second video for the, we were going to do a vinyl release at Commercial mm, Hell. That's right. We were going to do a video for it. And then yeah. it morphed into uh, a statesman featuring Lazy Gray and Jake Pierce. Uh, yeah. And it was like, let's do a video for that. And then it morphed into the whole fucking thing that eventually yeah. got labelled Cold Heat. It went from one mm. thing to another. It just grew beyond itself. Mm, like, really. It did. Like, <laughs> it did. I, I guess that's... Um, testament to having so many creatives yeah. involved in a, a project. such a vision too. Like. Yeah, well, the vision only comes from having so many creatives yeah. involved. Yeah. Everybody, like, 
there's no shrinking violets amongst the crew, yeah, right? Yeah, Everyone is yeah. a strong alpha personality. Like yeah. there is, like, stopping short of saying there's some pig-headed motherfuckers yeah, yeah, in yeah, our crew, yeah, yeah. which there is. And that's, yeah. you know, shrinking violets would not survive. It's like, I'm sorry, I've stuffed you in a box and you're fucking out. Yeah, See ya. Yeah. So that's part of the whole process of mm. everyone has this vision and, you know. Fuck you, cunt. <laughs> yeah, fuck that cunt. Fuck. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of that that goes on. You know, yeah, so yeah. Anyway, look, it, it, it was something different, mm. and I think we we're all just looking for something different at that time. It mm. did. It, it is what it is. Mm. Mm. It is. What I it think is. I, I've said this to Cameron too. Like I've said this to Lays and shit like that. I think in time, as much as we kind of look at it now and just go, "What the fuck?" Like you know, like we we confused our audience mm. largely with mm. a lot of what we did then, but. Uh, in time, man, give it time, give it maybe another 10, 15 years, something like that. It was it was early and it was kind of the first of its kind. Like mm. I think in time it will be looked back on as like, wow, yeah. you know, like they did kind of do some crazy shit. It was a yeah. bit of a story. It was like 12 minutes long. Mm. Like you said, it took fucking three days to film, mm. three 16-hour days. Yeah, I, I remember by, by Sunday night. It was like, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, and mm. by Sunday night, like we're down at a container yard at where? Fucking Portside or like. Yeah, yeah, out Port of Brisbane, way Banyard. Port of somewhere. Brisbane. Yeah. And it's just like, man, I remember being there just like, holy fuck, Everyone just get broken, me the man. fuck yeah. home. Yeah. Like, well, that, that, that is shit. what, so, and Heater would um, attest to this as well, but that is what production is. Yeah. yeah. When you work in that industry, so yeah. it was nothing new for me whatsoever. That's I knew right. what we were getting into yeah, yeah. and what you those work days those are days. like. You that's, do them. that's what the days are like mm. if you want to get it done. You know, you've got your. Um, your talent for so long, you've got your equipment for so long, you can't just go, oh, we'll just shoot four hours today. And mm. you know, you, you've, you've got expenses mm. and you've got to, yeah, get in and get it done. And things like as well planned as, well plan as things are, mm. it doesn't always go like that no, in no. the day. You've got to have all this buffer in there for the creativity to yep. take place, yep. you know, for the vision to take place. Yep. So, yeah. You know, for all the storyboards and all the scripting and all the pre-production that you do, there's still an element of on the day, mm. and and the, you've got to let your director uh, have that that right, that mm. freedom to mm. go right now. I'm here and I'm seeing it. I'm seeing something else. So we're going to relocate over here, mm. and I know that that's going to take another fucking half an hour setup. But I'm mm. telling you, that shot is going to be way better than this one. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. You know? So that's yeah. It's just part and parcel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Crazy shit, dude. How long have we been running? Two and a half already. Mm. Holy fuck. All right. Well, we should fucking wrap it up. What do we got fucking left to talk about? Hold on. Let me have a, let me have a little <laughs> fucking squeeze here, eh? What do we got? Dude, I, honestly, I think we've fucking covered so much, man. I mean, any parting thoughts, Gav? Like, you know, what's happening these days? Do you have any sort of motivation to get back into DJing music or you just sort of focus on career now? Um, yeah, not at the moment. I'm not – I'm really just enjoying on um, family time. Uh, I've just yeah. – I feel like I've got a critical point in yeah. my in the life of my children. Yeah. You know, my eldest son has just finished grade 11. He's learning to drive and, mm. you know, and, and my youngest son, he's turning 10. He's going into that he's going into that age now, 10, 11, where where you f you find what it is you're into and what you're about. Mm. Where all these conversations started today about well all the shit I've done, mm. it starts at the age that he's at. Yeah. Right? So I've got to be there uh, mm. for him yeah. and make sure that he's on the right path. Yeah. Because, and I don't know whether this is the same for you guys, but a lot of people I know and, and the type of people that you associate with when you are 11 years old, mm. 
generally are the type of people you associate with for life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's really important that I make sure that he's on the, the good path mm. and on the right, you mm. know what I mean? Mm. Mm. Because I know that to be some true shit because yeah. that's exactly what's happened to me. Yeah, the type yeah. of people that I've associated with at that age is who I've associated with 100%. my whole life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm really sort of focused on that and... and in terms of my job, yeah, it's it's ever more um, demanding. Yeah, uh, where the company is growing and growing. You know, I've got um, two designers that work under me, and uh, and and our project team and build team, and it's just it's a very busy mm. work workplace environment, and it's very demanding. So, mm. really, um, between that and being there for my family, there's not much time for for music, yeah, 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 other yeah. than just need your brain space to yeah. to be good for both of those things. Yeah, and it's not to say I, I won't be doing more music in the yeah. future yeah um i still you know love my records have my studio and go in there and bang some yeah. some music on i you know play music going to work coming home or all day in the office i listen yeah. to all sorts of different music you know i love the new gangstar record for instance yeah. i love yeah. you know marco polo and um master aces Brooklyn story holy shit you know yeah, yeah. that's just amazing you know what when i listen to, to music hip-hop in particular it needs to be um sort of mature mm. grown man music mm. That, mm. that's I have to associate with it I mm. can't listen to any kind of just aggressive gangstery blingy fucking whatever like mm. any of that shit mm. if it's not doing what I'm doing or f or connecting with me I'm mm. not listening to it yeah, you know yeah, I'm yeah. just not if it's not aspirational yeah, it's, it's not yeah, it's you know, not, like you know it's not moving uh, pushing so forward and Master Ace is, is one fantastic artist at doing that he, I connect really well with that what that guy yeah, yeah. does you know because yeah. it's, there's a brutal honesty in what he does and he grinds and he lives off his music in that regard but there's no bullshit about it and mm. you know? I so yeah I, I love sort of that sort of stuff and then the new Gangstar record is like you wouldn't know Guru's passed away it's, it's oh, that oh true it is that true. good very true. Have you listened to it? Yeah, what'd you think? It's amazing. Yeah, yeah same. Yeah. I've just, I, man, I go, get in the pool at home, I put it on, I go, right, that's, there's 40 minutes, I'm going to swim 40 minutes to listen to this record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still listening to music, I still yeah. love it all, but yeah, yeah from a participant's uh, standpoint, I'm not, I'm not, you know, making yeah. music or. It's hard, man. It's yeah. hard. It's hard. But see, mm. I know you, Gavin, and I know mm. you on that personal level, and I don't think that passion or that want. To create, like I know you get that no, out of not. your job. Yeah. But I don't think that can ever go anywhere. I know we've had this no, conversation, it, and it won't. I'm just doing it a different way at the moment, that's right. and that's, that's you right. know, I've that's applied right. those. That that my attention is elsewhere at the moment with those things. Yeah, it doesn't mean that it, I won't make music yeah. in the future. Because I've been, dude, like I've like over the past three weeks, like that's you know largely like I've maybe I sort of briefly mentioned in the fucking initial stages of this podcast, but. Like, I was at a point, like, between fucking working just this fucking job that is menial and driving me fucking mad, mm. like, mm. quite seriously, mm. you know, which you have, you know, you don't have that on you because you have a career, but, you know, pursuing this life, continuing about it and trying to do it, it's like, man, you start weighing it up and you're like, fuck, what am I doing? Mm. And to me, it's like mm. there's only one way. Like, mm. I have to keep going. I have, mm. To, mm. I have to push. But, you know, you get to a point, like, yeah. where you have that career and mm. all that kind of thing. And I fucking applaud it, man. Like, well done to you, dude. And, you know, we got to keep we got to keep moving, man. And we got to keep absolutely. moving in some way, shape or form yeah. in the future. Yeah, that's mm. absolutely. And mm. we will. 
we always will. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've known him for too long. Yeah, um, so, yeah. yeah, we do, we do. Because I don't, we don't catch up that much anymore. It's unfortunate. Mm. I thought you were laughing. Then I was like, "What are you laughing at, cunt?" <laughs> He's asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, yeah. brother. Thank you very much for fucking coming and being Better a part mind. of the show. And Thanks very like, much. The first show back. This is episode forty-one. Thank you, thank you. man. And this no has worries. been thank DJ Decide. Thank you so much. Word. Thank, thank you. you for being here. Bro. No, thanks, boys. Word up on yeah. the podcast, mate. No.